0: It's right in Mysterio. So um, here's your theme. It's Crapio Mysterioso, Um, (laughs) back from a short hiatus, Um, and uh, as announced in various media, Paul Kimball is here live in the studio today, tonight, it's still light out and a little bit rainy here in Los Angeles, Uh, Walter is here too because he heard that Paul was coming, and so that kept him from saying, I have projects, which he does.
2: Some of my projects involve Paul.
0: That's true. So they got to talk about him here tonight, uh, and it's uh, it won't be a secret anymore. All will be revealed for the first time ever.
2: All, even things that have nothing to do with our project. Yes, I mean everything. Even if it's Anthony Weiner's Weiner, we will reveal that. Who to who? Congressman. Right, alright, so the UFO phenomenon then
0: <laughs> I had the over-under at 8 minutes So I, I win, yay That might almost be a segue Into uh, my post That I've been making on my blog Which you commented on, at least mm-hmm. on my Facebook thing Oh yeah. About how we're not ready for extraterrestrial contact Because we live in a horrible, horrible society That has so many problems to fix That any advanced non-human I'll it- oh, just keep playing your songs that's <laughs> I, I, would,
2: I, would, I, I wouldn't say horrible, well, horrible, but yeah, definitely a society with problems. I would, I and would say that that argument
0: has been made um, in unique ways uh, a few times before, and I, I slightly, I agree with you on it, but I, I differ, not because of the problems, but because of the way people perceive the world. Uh, apart from the problems, I don't think they can perceive what that, what that. Uh, Whatever that might be, whatever the UFO thing might be, there we are UFOs eleven minutes look you 've got people <laughs> running around. Um, they all mean very well it 's uh, you know the exopolitics or any, anybody really interested in the UFO thing. We need disclosure, we need governments to let us blah blah blah, and then we can change things the, and so they talk about changing things as if it 's you know basically oh well we 're just going to get rid of one political party and bring in another political party we 'll fix a few things at the margins, but you know what? things will go on basically the way they 've always gone on. And what they don't understand is that any true change, any true contact with an advanced non-human intelligence would result in a, I hate the word, paradigm, but it's true. In a paradigm shift, everything yeah. we know would be different. And I'm not just talking about well, the price of milk and the price of gasoline. I mean, literally, yeah, yeah. totally I, reorienting. I, I agree with you there, but I also have the idea that, um, you know, when a, when you take something something technological and perfect to some sort of aboriginal race and they look at it they can't really conceptualize what the thing is they know that it's like a shape that they can hold but they don't know that it's a video recorder or whatever it is and that's that's the thing i see about the ufo thing that we might be able to see something but we have no way to conceptualize really right now except in the most primitive way what that might be and it might, might not be because it's advanced it might be just because it's so different I think we'd actually have a better chance of conceptualizing, thanks to science fiction, anything technological. I think it's the uh, spiritual and emotional stuff that we couldn't wrap our heads around. But I think that's intimately connected to the technological part of it. Whoa. I think that at that level, whatever that thing is, that intelligence, the barriers between technological, spiritual, psychological break down. And to, at that point, I think it's really hard for us to conceptualize what it is, except like the three blind men with the elephant where they all see a little tiny bit of it. It's like in Thor, where Thor tries to describe <laughs> to Natalie Portman's character, I'm from Asgard, what you call magic, we call science, it's somewhere in between. Yeah, okay. yeah well, kind of like that. <coughs> exactly. But, I mean, even to the point where we can't conceptualize it intellectually right now or, you know even at a very basic level with the language the language is going to trap us before we even begin to think about what this thing is that's away from our way of thinking not ahead of it or behind it but off away from it walter wants to speak but i'll say one thing that will annoy mm-hmm. him and then he can he can speak <laughs> i think the problem is it's because we all think and what you know it's weird i've been in la for 3 weeks and i love la i love america it's not that different from canada so anything i'm about to say about the united states is more or less applicable to my country and there 's great things to see in l a but when you can walk down a street in Beverly Hills and see a woman um, sort of naked no uh, trying to figure out whether she should pay in change or with her credit card to Parker Lexus on the <laughs> side of the street, ten feet away from a homeless person who she won 't even look at when she she, she like the guy he 's not even close he 's asleep and she goes out of her way to to avoid him that's a, that those kind of contrasts that you think only exist in the third world um, not even the, the, develop, the so-called developed world in, on our planet isn't even remotely ready for the kind of contact that people like anyone from Stephen Bassett to uh, my friend Rich Dolan would, would say that we, we, we need. And to me... Rich all Dolan, who will be on this program in the next go. couple of months. To me, all these people, they're no different than people who walk... Uh, they can see that there's a problem. But yes. their solution is that something else has to solve maybe it. Maybe it's not their problem. Well, for 2,000 years
2: it was God, and now some of these people are saying aliens will solve it for us. But the principle is the same. Yeah. And no, but I mean, maybe it's not the person's problem that that other person is, because you, you, uh, you know, maybe that person who's down and out, right. you don't know their story. You don't know that maybe True. there's been 100 people try and try and try, and they are just so ignorant and self-centered. Could be, you know. but there were three homeless people within about a quarter of a mile of her, so I'm guessing that the odds
0: are at least one of them was there through no fault of their own. Sure, there are people who are alcoholic, there are people who have mental problems, mm-hmm. although the, any of these people have fallen f- through the cracks of society. So if there is any anybody who could fly between the stars or, or however you
2: want to c- go between dimensions, I think would have solved these kind of societal problems. And that's the only problem I have with... Is, is that what you're saying I have a problem with? no. My, my thing is... Uh, the social the, stuff. Here's the thing you'll have the yeah. problem with. We think too much as
0: individuals and not enough as uh, groups, as humans, as a race, as a species. Eh. And until we orientate ourselves more towards a communal way of thinking and look at ourselves solely as individuals, then we won't be able to advance spiritually.
2: I, I, what are you laughing at? When, I, I, oh, I okay. I okay. didn't. He, he got that. I got.
0: I didn't say "ist" at the end of communal, no no no. I
2: know, but you know, I'd see that.
0: because I'm not sure that, that, that <laughs> the communists didn't have it right either. They were still thinking. I'm talking about something far beyond
2: political ideology. Phil- philosophically, what they had was a nice idea. It just was the Soviet and um, uh, yes. uh whatever executions of it that you know. I strongly disagree. with. You no know, yeah, problem, yeah, yeah, problem. My problem. My problem thing is on my uh, Facebook. all oh.
0: all systems are
2: perfect till people get involved.
0: I, you can't see it there. Oh, but.
2: My problem is the <laughs> assumption that the extraterrestrials are so morally advanced. Um, nah, um, they may not be. They, it may be that for merchant re- reasons or warfare reasons or scientific reasons, their technology was advanced to the point that it is. But it may not be that they're any more enlightened than we are morally. Well, they... Yeah, it depends on how you define morally. I mean, they might
0: be... Or ethically. But that comes back to the idea, again, I think that we're dealing with a, some sort of... Into, I don't want to call them extraterrestrials. And they could be an, a non-human intelligence yeah. that um, is maybe 50 or 100 years more advanced than us. And I, I sort of buy into the kaku thing that we're dealing with things hundreds or thousands of years more advanced or millions of years more advanced than us. So they may be amoral, as we would understand it. But I think... That if you can survive all the things that we've been through, the nuclear age, um, and the things that are to come,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I think somehow one of two things has happened. You've either become a totally amoral species that mm-hmm. by now would have rape, pillaged, and plundered us because they wouldn't care, or you've become an empathic society where some kind of, it's not Borg like because that has a pejorative connotation, but some kind of, like I could, um, I, I posted a video by uh, Michael Persinger where he's giving a lecture uh, up in Canada, and he's talking about remote viewing and things like that, and he says, basically, I paraphrase, sooner or later, and we're on this path now, we'll all be able to read each other's minds, for lack of a better way of putting it. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, he said, when if I can read Walter Bosley's mind and then kick Walter in the groin and feel his pain, then we will become a truly empathic civilization. And in his eyes, an enlightened civilization, because then if you can feel the, if you can actually feel the pain, then you wouldn't want to cause pain. Most people have that reaction. It's the same reason why when people actually see horrifying images, uh, you know, you can walk out of a movie theater, a war movie or anything and uh, say, "Oh my God, why would we ever fight a war? This is horrible." But then you forget it so quickly, it doesn't stick. But if, if you're always in each other's minds, you can feel what people are feeling, then things like hate and intolerance. Uh, and, and pain, I think, would... Uh, if it, not tomorrow, or the day after. Yeah. But I think that's where we have to go. I think as a society, that's where we have to go. Technology, I think, will help us get there, yeah. I hope. But we're, we're so far away from that. I think that is the threshold. Stan Friedman talks about the cosmic kindergarten.
2: I think that's the entry pass into the cosmic kindergarten. But it could also be that um, we may be more advanced than we care to accept and that actually existence as a free will individual is a, is is a peak or is a is the goal and objective and and that's been earned maybe we started out more collectively and then we have grown to where the th- the threshold we went through and what we earned was the existence as an individual and it still has problems and and I think actually I've come to accept that the problems that you know we have are part of the process are part of the experience of existence, in other words it's we have this ideal of what it 's supposed to be, but i don't think that's ever possible in this physical realm we 're all sharing right now. I think what that is is a memory of some other place or a knowledge of some other dimension, but here is all about living in this some sometimes not constantly or all the time shitty world and the, the real test is, okay, how do we deal with this existence? This is what it's supposed to be. Might be. Um, I think that you can transcend this physical reality. I don't oh, think yeah. we can do it now,
0: but I think hundreds of thousands of years from now, if we survive, um, if we earn it, then you'll, we should be able to transcend the physical reality maybe millions of years that's where and you know what you're sitting down with your friends and you're playing poker i I don't bring this up i don't say hey boys listen here's what we need to be thinking about right yeah you know i know you got a mortgage payment and you over here your kid just dropped out of high school or whatever the hell you're worrying about however having said that i think people like us in particular walter you and i uh and greg is a writer you know artists it's our responsibility to yeah. That's not our responsibility. It's our privilege. It's our opportunity. It's an
2: opportunity yeah, to address of
0: some of these things and, in our very, very, very small way, sort of say, look, there's a better way of doing things without preaching to people. So um, you get into entertainment because Greg on Facebook said we were going to talk about entertainment,
2: I think. I uh, did. I, think I you hope did. so. Yeah. I love entertainment. But the idea of making movies you can make
0: a movie where everybody gets their head cut off and things blow up real good. Why? unless you're making some commentary on how that's bad. Or you can make a movie that talks about some of the things that I'd rather talk about. Uh, feelings, emotions, people, uh, how we interact with each other in an entertaining way, yeah. don't get me wrong. Like Ingmar Bergman would have, or even Woody Allen. Those are the kinds of films Gore, that we being should that cherish. Or that was in Italy. Um, or Fellini, or Mario Bellini. Bellini. yep. Or One Dario of my favorite movies ever made, uh, Eight and a Half. Yeah. Or Dario Argento. Wait, no, that's... Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> For a horror filmmaker, he had some interesting ideas. So um even even films horror films, you know, it doesn't have to be these dark dramas or Yeah, think of think uh, of uh, Day of the Dead, not just Dawn of the Dead, but Day yeah. of the Dead with the people in the mall. Or the, the people stuck in the original what was the Night of the Living Dead? Yes. F- how do people react? Oh yeah, yeah. To being it was stuck like an in hour and a half uh, long uh, Twilight Zone. Yeah,
2: it's, 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 a big, it's, well,
0: an, it's a Bergman film with zombies. That's what it
2: is. <laughs> I, I'll use a film to yeah. illustrate a thought I was having um, on what you were saying. Uh, today I watched Lives of a Be- Bengal Lancer, which was made, uh, made and released four years before Gunga Din, but the story is very, very similar to the Gunga Din film. Great movie. Um, I never realized how much I like Franco Tone, but he is fantastic in this film. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the things they go through. It's three, three guys. Two of them are a little bit more like-minded, and they're, more, they're on the same experience level, but they still have their differences, and then there's the third one who's the tenderfoot, and the three come together through their trials and travails to work together to affect what they need to that's good for their own survival, but then also, also for the survival of the colonel and the troops that are coming up, just like in Gunga Din, and I thought, you know what? that that's that's what made me think of my response to what you were saying with maybe the point of of this human experience and what we 're supposed to learn isn't that we 're supposed to do these things in a uh, 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 an organizational or what 's the word for it um, Bureaucratic or, or what's the institutional way yeah. to save everybody? Maybe we are as individuals in the little experiences we have together. That's supposed yeah. to be the expression. Sa-
0: salvation through a democratic, and I'm not saying political, but I mean uh, with everybody involved. Well, salvation salvation than, you know, through
2: the trials and travails you go through with the people in your immediate world.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I've had a discussions with people about this too. About you know what uh, what what do you do if you care. Should you be politically active? Should you be, you know, off saving people or whatever? And I think the con- discussion came down to if you're doing what you think you should be doing, probably that's enough. As long as it involves engaging other people yeah. or, or you know, I'll say I'm writing about UFOs. Well, how does that help anything? Well, because a lot of other subjects impinge upon that. Science, spirituality, all this stuff that we've talked about here up to now and on the shows going back I, years. I, I, But yeah, keep keeping that in mind while you're doing what you're doing and playing your instrument, whatever that happens to be. And I'm speaking metaphorically. That communicates to people. Or if you make a movie and somebody says, "Well, I never realized that," or it makes them emotional for some reason, or you know, at the end of Eight and a Half, I always cry. Well, they they all just start dancing. You've seen Eight and a Half, right? Have you? Yeah. Instead of worrying about everything, they all just get in a big circle. Everybody holds hands and they all dance at this carnival. Because they realize the guy, the guy is just worried about if he's doing his art right or he can be inspired anymore. It's like screw it. It's you know, the, the, he's made a human connection and maybe that's all he needs. I have the same reaction at the end of the uh, Dukes of Hazard remake, <laughs> uh, the feature film version. Of that's, course you do. I was crying my eyes
2: out. Going, <laughs> they, they got how much money to do this? <laughs> no, the one, that, the one that grabbed yeah. me was uh, Field of Dreams. I cry I still every time. I haven't seen that. Every time when the father walks out
0: and the players and everything, I always cry at the end of Field of Dreams. And and
2: I'm not one of the – I didn't have a bad relationship with my dad, so that's not it. It's just that it really – you have – that's terrible. Yeah, I
0: know. You have not seen Field of Dreams. And I haven't seen uh, 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 Major League either.
2: Okay, Field you of just, Dreams, see that first. You just use Major League and
0: Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams isn't just a great baseball movie. It's yeah. a great yeah, movie. Yeah, I story. know, I know, but everybody says it's a baseball movie. Oh, you have to see Major League, of course, Ma- Field Major of Major League isn't even a great baseball movie. Oh, Major I thought League it was. Funny. I thought it was very funny. It's funny. But it's yeah. funny. Bull Durham is more important Major League. But in the way Slapshot is not a great movie, but it's very funny. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, I Bull
2: Durham before Major League. Yes, okay,
0: yeah. And then That I have seen. What's the one I was... Oh, For the Love of the Game. Yeah, that's not bad. It is the parts with the romance not so much. But when he's on the they mound pitching a perfect game. Yeah. And a- has the, Kevin going through his head, yeah. Has Kevin Costner
2: no, done more good baseball movies than any other actor? Well he was he's done a baseball, baseball player. Movies? A little while. Well, there's the three leads. pretty
0: good baseball movies right there. So. Well,
2: Field of Dreams is a classic masterpiece. True. Uh, Bull Durham is a classic in its own genre. So he, he's done two. And of For the 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 Love of the Game movie. is a pretty good movie. It's a pretty good movie. So, you know, there's two in, and it, a half, it, it, sure. It's a chick flick that there's a movie guys can like hiding in it. In what? Uh, Bull for the Love of the Game. Oh, okay. So sure. I changed the cover to my book. Figured I'd throw a plug in early. Uh,
0: the one that's uh, I will see you in time. time. It looked you, like a, It looks like a dragon. Um, it's a
2: sea dragon from an old Denzel, or no, a Herschel Spillman carousel, the one in Balboa Park. Oh, okay. In San Diego. Who had and, the over-under
0: on Walter's book plug at 41 minutes?
2: Uh, so Amazon.com Amazon. com Kindle, I will see <coughs> you in time by Walter Bosley. <laughs> okay. And also print-on-demand at lulu.com. With new covers, people. Nice. And I'm getting the best reviews uh, on this than Man, I hate to say it,
0: but I I enjoyed it. Thank you. I hate to say it. Mainly I hate to say it because it will look like I'm just liking it because it's Walter. But no, I did truly actually enjoy the book.
2: It is my number one selling title out of all the books. So far. Yes, so far that I've published. Oh, good. Well, presently. uh, Wonder of the Worlds is really it's um uh that's my number one selling title of the last two months since it's been released but overall Seshari's trilogy is really kicking butt well that's Al- also, also i also Amazon enjoyed, enjoyed that
0: too i hate to say it but i also enjoyed that too because i i know you and i know session it would seem like the kind of thing where i would s- I'd say i'd have to like it but i do actually enjoy it and i've only ever read the first one still walter Wonder of the worlds I've read. Oh, not handprint. I will, of I will Atlas, bring you not, a not,
2: you know. *Metamorphosis*. Okay. Yeah, you need to read *Handprint of Atlas*. Yeah. Um, also, the nonfiction one. But Walter is. Um, uh, uh,
0: I mean, Paul has opened up a copy of *Ask the Dust*. I suddenly got him hooked on John Fonte, Here's a an, uh, uh, Los me Angeles in. writer who was uh, Charles Bukowski's favorite writer. And I'm a huge Bukowski fan, so hands. Who's the Bukowski? Fill me in. <gasps> I'm a heathen. <laughs> you yeah. are a heathen. He is a um, Los Angeles writer uh, of fiction and poetry slash alcoholic. Yeah, and he was a big alcoholic. They made Barfly that movie with Mickey Rourke as based oh, that, on. Okay, I he have heard the of it. He wrote the script. Okay, that. yeah, <laughs> and it was basically a big long Bukowski story. So here's a little quote from Ask the Dust by John Fontaine, my favorite book by him, and probably everybody's favorite book by him. But I have about. Everything that was ever published by him, I actually have on the bookshelf, if you want to look at it, the very leave. The very first paragraph of chapter one, after the uh, great Bukowski introduction, is apropos of dealing with the UFO non-human intelligence thing. Here we go. Of course, everything is. One night, I was sitting on the bed in my hotel room on Bunker Hill, down in the very middle of Los Angeles. It was an important night in my life, because I I had to make a decision about the hotel. Either I paid up, or I got out. That was what the note said, the note the landlady had put under my door. A great problem, deserving acute attention. So what did he do? I solved it by turning out the lights and going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) And that, ladies and gentlemen, the hotel, that's the paranormal and the UFO and all that stuff. And what do we do? We turn out the lights and we just go to bed. Don't want to talk about it. It's disturbing. The implications are disturbing. We might have to change our ways. We might have to become something else. Maybe well, that's Oh, I no thought fun. you were talking about people that have been into f- it for a long time. Nothing has happened, and they're just going to turn out the lights and go to bed. No, See, no, it's, it's
2: subjective interpretation. Yeah.
0: No, there's no, no. I'm right. So, <laughs> so there's, there's no subjectivity yeah. here. Everybody must kowtow to my new world order. Speaking really? of which, let's 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 channel John Fonte here. No, that is wrong. Here's how it. The way <laughs> the way to solve all this. James Bond movies had it right. But not James Bond. What you need is Dr. No or someone to win once in a while. You know what? 99.9% of the world's population is going to die. But the survivor, Moonraker, there you go. Yeah. The survivors are going to build a new Eden. Okay. I Just once you'd like to see Bond go, you know, well, right. That's, that's, that's not a bad idea. Okay. <laughs> uh, how do I help?
2: <laughs> if you'll just untie no, me Bond from the laser. Say, just, Bond would say, how many of them are women? That's right. <laughs> as long as more than half of them are chicks. And by more than half, I mean all of them. And will there be champagne? <laughs>
0: yeah, there
2: yeah. we go. I'd like my chicks shaken and stirred, please. <laughs> Marshall Dillon died.
0: Well, yeah, I, f- I heard the first joke on that at the softball game yesterday, and, and the, the th- joke was, oh, did you know that Jack Kevorkian's last act was helping James Arnest <laughs> kill himself?
2: <laughs> well, I, a lot of people were saying, how come Jack didn't kill himself? I guess he well, he didn't want to kill himself. He was helping people that wanted to kill themselves. Although
0: he was, you think it's like, oh, is he's wonderful dog? No, he was obsessed by death. Maybe he did kill himself. Maybe he in did. In the same way that he And he, and every one he one his did, his he did such a good job. Oh. He wanted to be, you know, put the cherry on the top of his whole career by killing himself in such a way that it didn't look like he killed himself. And he couldn't possibly <laughs> ever get <laughs> convicted. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he was killing
2: himself each and every day in the same way that each and every one of us are.
0: How much jail time you know, did he whatever. do? Didn't he, he? did some jail yeah, time, did. right? A few
2: times. You know, it's the opposite of that movie, The Mechanic, where the assassin makes it look like suicide. He's the suicide that makes it look like natural death. Oh, yeah. No, actually, the
0: opposite of the assassin who makes it look like suicide would have been the suicide who makes it look like an assassin. <laughs> <laughs> so he, that, you
2: weren't the opposite. You were
0: sort of, like, turned Off left. to the side. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, wait a
2: minute, maybe that's the secret of the JFK assassination. No, no. That's... He was a suicide, and he made it look like an assassination. <laughs> So, about the paranormal. Oh, my book, Empire, Empire of the Wheel. Empire of the Wheel? No, I heard from the uh, the editor agent, and we're going into the next phase. So, I'll have a report on who the publisher is next time we uh, meet.
1: Sorry. I'm just a shill
2: whore tonight.
1: What's this?
0: Is that my song? It's people singing on gondolas.
2: Nice. And there goes a the motorboat. Isn't that James Bond and his motorized gondola? Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, is it, was that the one with um, Ringo's wife? Yes. Where she Barbara blew Bob. the uh, smoky powder in his face and he passed out? S- yeah, Spy Who Loved Me. And I'm thinking, man, that is so cool to be knocked out by a hot chick like Barbara Bond. <laughs> We're uh, trying to get um, our guest song here. Just type in YKT, uh, T, okay, hit download. Okay. And it should pop up in the player, and then you should just be able to play it. That's how I do it. And there you go. Oh, wait, maybe not. Scroll down a bit. Huh. Yeah, there it is. You can just play it from there, without downloading it. We're buffering.
2: Is there still a pain reliever called Buffering? You want me to just play it?
0: Yeah, sure. Here we go. The Rural Alberta Advantage. Frank Alberta, all the way from Canada on Radio Misterioso.
3: I guess we're back.
0: All right. Can I hear us? There we go. We're back.
3: And so, we're back.
0: So that's the Rural Alberta Advantage, great Canadian band, song called Frank, Alberta, brought to you by Paul Kimball here on Radio Misterioso. So here's a plug, a shameless plug, but not for something of mine, though. I recommend, if there's anyone listening who happens to be in Los Angeles... Go see a film Tuesday night, June 7th, called The Corridor, made by friends of mine from Halifax, written by Josh McDonald, directed by Evan Kelly, produced by uh, Craig Cameron. Great science fiction, sort of supernatural thriller. It's playing here in L.A. at a festival. Redstarfilms.blogspot.com. I will put up the uh, later tonight a notice as to where and when. If you happen to be here, go see it. I'm telling Greg and Walter to go see it. And uh, if you can't catch it here, which I'm sure most people can't, then, of course, track it down on the interweb or wherever you can see it. One of the best films made in Canada in the last five to ten years. And it's not a typical Canadian film. This one's entertaining. So it's not about a woodchuck making love to a tree for two hours like we usually do. It's, um, it's actually got, you know, really suspense and a little violence and some good acting and all that sort of stuff. So go see that film, The Corridor. Dun, 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 dun.
2: What, is the, uh, what is the festival?
0: See that's the problem. I can't remember the title of the festival now. Ugh, it's on my Facebook
2: page, which I'll look for the. Uh, Greg, might I'm going to tell my son up. about this because he likes going to festivals too. But
0: uh, yeah, there's some uh, festival going on in LA this week, and uh, it's it's one of the films. I can't remember what the festival's called, but cool. um, yeah, no, it's re- it's, re- it's a, You know what? I watched it, and it's the kind of film where I said, you know what? I know these guys. I like them. Good for them, and screw them. Damn it! I wish I'd made that film. <laughs> so you know it's. A bit of both. There's a small element of... A hint of uh, jealousy. Yeah, There's Paul's, always a hint of jealousy. Yeah, see, this is good, Paul. It's. Uh, I used to be jealous of things that I wouldn't plug them, but now I've gotten past that because you're kind of like, well, you know, it's gonna. I hope it pulls all of us up. But other than right. that, somebody goes to see it and gets something out of it. Why Why hide it? Just because you go, God damn it, why didn't
2: I and do You know that? what's great about this plug is, like you said, it's a, it's a really good entertaining, so that'll turn people on to seeing Canadian films so that when you do make The Devil's Mill there will be more people inclined to see that great movie as well.
0: Well, they're just going to go make, see The Devil's Milk because it's going to be awesome. It's like seriously, this is a, a film that Walter co-wrote with, what's the guy's name? Sorry, Mike, Mike Williamson. And Paul Kimball because damn straight. And Paul Kimball, ad- that's right, uh, us three. I'm adding, the, I'm adding my name to it. Yeah, cause and uh, 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 yeah, I've, I've, signed Wal- I've signed an option on it. So uh, hopefully it's a supernatural thriller with lesbians. The
2: supernatural aspect is very doesn't do it Subtle,
0: yes, it's very subtle. Yeah. The lesbianism less subtle. Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty much less subtle. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's so it's a chick flick and also with uh, chick mm-hmm. and guy flick. Yeah, yeah. it's a chick in that regard. Yeah, very you much. Can do that it's with your lesbians. classic
2: four character, two location thriller.
0: I've I've described it to a friend today as either The Last Seduction meets Devil, which was the M Night Shyamalan produced mm-hmm. film last year, or
2: I figured this was even closer. A Simple Plan, which is a film I love, oh, yeah. meets Devil. I like so, that. Yeah. I like that. You know, I have to tell you something. I didn't tell you this, but I consider that, I consider The Devil's Mill my, because I wrote the original and then Mike came in and did some revisions, but I consider it my French thriller. And you can see the clues in that because where the, the it takes place in the countryside, which I envisioned as a a uh, generic French countryside, right? Um, but also in the car, they drive one of those classic little Renaults uh, in the that's original true. script. Yep. And I was trying to do something that was not typical of what I had written, and and hopefully yeah, not. It's really raining. T- it is. Yeah. Wow. It's holy crap. It's Canadian so weather. D- it's my French thriller, my le- oh, my French go. lesbian thriller. Like uh, what's the famous one with the two broads in the school and what they kill the one husband by oh. putting him in the pool? Simone Signoret is in it. Oh. Oh, shoot. Uh, it's got a one-word title. Uh, don't oh, know. Lordy. Anyway, uh, if any of the listeners at home know the name of this movie, yeah. um, you'll win a mention on air that you knew the title.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
2: on Radio Coast
0: Costa Costa. I found, uh, speaking of prizes, I, I showed Paul today my tie rack, which has like five ties on it. And one of them is a black tie with a bunch of green alien heads on it. Oh, excellent. I've never worn it. I never will wear it. I hate it. Somebody bought it me for me for a present. You'll like this, Greg. It's got aliens on it. Um, so I thought. What are, the, what are the odds that person's listening right now?
2: <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Well, I thought you liked I, that. I Fuck appreciate you.
0: the gesture. Whoever it was that gave it to me. But I don't want shit with aliens on it. And you look at my, remember my old wallet that had that alien head on it, that silver alien. I only liked it because it looks so damn
2: stupid. Your mother's breaking down in tears now because <laughs> she's the one.
0: <laughs> but I want to, I, I will use that, um, that tie with the green alien heads on it, uh, fluorescent green alien heads on it, as a prize for some contest that I will run off the gregdbishop.com dot com when I get that running, which is, should happen in the next week or so or two. Because I have the domain name. I just have to start. Nice save. Yes. Here, here's other exciting no, news. No, I really plan to do that with it. Know, it's just being a and, smart And then we'll, <laughs> then we'll go to... Uh, we'll, uh, we'll actually talk about the paranormal, I'm sure, at some point. But here's exciting news. Greg and I are going to collaborate on an... What do we call it? An adaptation inspired by... A yeah. project beta, as beta. Nick would say. Project beta, yes. Yeah. So I was at a Yay. coffee shop... T- I was at a coffee shop today, and I sketched out the first act and half of the second act. What, again? Act. Yeah, no, this time it's gold, though. So did, And I asked Greg gets, picks me up, and I go, did Paul Benowitz have a daughter? And he went, uh, no, no, I don't think so. Well, it's not he really Paul Benowitz anyway. He does now, yeah.
2: So she, Will this be the love interest?
0: No, no. Uh, yeah, you know, Paul Benowitz's daughter and the Bill Moore character, quote, quote, maybe. You know, you never know. Hello, I'm Mark Pilkington, and what I know about the UFO phenomenon, you could fit into a thimble. You think so? I'm on Walter's side on this. Uh. I've never met the guy, and I I don't like the guy. I just don't. From things I've heard from different people, I won't say any more. And I read the bit that he wrote on Walter, and I sort of flipped through the book, and I said, you know what? I don't want to read this. This book has nothing to say about what the UFO phenomenon or the paranormal in general might be. If there's any truth in there, and I'm sure there's probably some. Neither did Project Beta. Uh, you know what? I I disagree, and we can talk about why I think Project Beta does um, to some degree. I uh, there's just not there's nothing. Well, the a the sense I tried to get in there was that the people investigating it are part of the phenomenon yes. and probably and most and definitely part of the problem and how and the roadblock to figuring it out in the midst of telling the rest of the story. Well, it's kind of like if you have. Uh, All right, here's the best thing I can think of. If you have an apple and you want to get to the core, well, what do you do? You start stripping away all the rest of the apple and eventually you'll have the core. Project Beta is kind of the apple. It's a piece of the apple. So you pull it out and eventually if you pull all that stuff out, you're going to have what you're looking for, the core. You know, Project Beta was new. You were breaking new ground. There was new stuff in there. There's nothing new in Pilkington's book. I challenge anyone listening to to call in and say, okay, what is the new revelatory material in Pilkington's book that hasn't been talked about before that Greg didn't talk about or Redfern or anybody, Wal- anybody hasn't talked about? I would say the same thing about Leslie Keen's book.
2: I never read the whole thing, of, so I wouldn't know. Some of the know. things he claimed I said is new material because well, okay. I never said them. He
0: made them up, sure. <laughs> but, you know, I, I would say the same thing about Leslie Keane's book. It uh, doesn't matter whether it's good or not. There's nothing, there is no new material. She's talking about the same old cases. And look, I'm as guilty as the next guy. I made a film called Best Evidence about the 10 best UFO cases. But the idea was great, now I'm done. The, this is the door opener. And I think the door has been opened so many times. Well, we at that point, that. you were doing some of your learning process too, and that's yeah. what that was. Yeah, well, Leslie, that everybody goes through. Well, Leslie Keen's not going through it. She's been in it, you know, for fifteen or twenty years. So that's, the, to, that's um, the problem I had with Jim Mars's book, The Alien Agenda. I didn't see anything new in there. But it basically was UFOs for dummies. Well, these people are just regurgitating the same stories. I, you know what? Look, it's a living. So I don't begrudge any of them, uh, whether you're a writer or a filmmaker, your ability to earn a living. That's, yeah. I do it, too. But if you're truly interested in the subject, and, I, you know, this is, like, I'm the guy who just discovered R.E.M. in 1985. Oh, my God, man, it's like the greatest band ever. Really, dude? I've been listening to it for five, them for five years. Have you ever heard Chronic Town? No, man, but I heard Document. It's They have albums before Document? I'm that guy. I'm the guy that, as an early REM fan, I used to, hey, like, it's like when Dylan went electric and everyone went, ah, oh, man, Dylan's awesome. It's like, where have you been for the last three years? So that's what these, that's what three. The, well, yeah, I don't know what, what he went electric in 65. Oh, okay. So, I'm sort of three. So it's that idea that, you know, there's, that's me, this idea of looking at all these new ideas and, and moving beyond, this is not a plug for my fundraising campaign, moving beyond <laughs> the best evidence, moving beyond cases, it's out there. There is an objective reality to the UFO phenomenon, to all of the paranormal. The problem that, people, that I have is people, you, I will say this, and they'll say, well, then you, that must be your belief, and that's the answer. Yeah, no. It's like, no, I'm cheerleading. And I, I, I wrote another thing about the, uh, about the Mary's room. Yes, good piece uh, on on uh, UFO Mystic. The first time I've written anything in months, and it. I, I guess I'm shameless self promoting now. Please do. But the point. Somebody came on there and he said, because uh, I'd argued in there, why don't we just start collecting different data instead of just where you know where did it come from, how big was it, what what color was it, all that, and start collecting obje- uh, subjective data. Uh, one of the loyal commenters, uh, LB Swigert, came on and said. This sound, you know, uh, how would you get this information? How can you be, How can it be reliable? And then he then he said something which kind of, it, to me, it seemed like, well, this is what everybody has. What are you going to do with this? How is this questionnaire going to be set up? Um, what questions are going to be on it? Who are you going to give it to? It's was like, that's not what my point was. My point was to push people to do this. I am not a UFO researcher. I don't run a UFO organization. But I think it should be done by the people who are interested in collecting the data. I'm making a suggestion... You know what the data collection is? I. Find Although like, you can say I'm being lazy in our uh, armchair and all this, but the thing is no. I'm trying to make a suggestion that I think will be helpful. And then some, if somebody says, hey, I'm going to do that, I would love to talk to them about it and maybe help them with it, but I'm not interested in being the data collection person. The data collection is useless. And to my friend, the late Dick Hall, who was all about data collection, I apologize to his spirit, wherever it is. I don't think but it's useless. It's useless because we can't solve the science, as we understand it, is not going to be able to solve the riddle of the paranormal. Right. And there's but there's looking, nothing we can do about yes, it. Yes, looking at information in different ways doesn't have to be the scientific method. It's, it can be looking at something from a different perspective. Like, you know, the first computer still useless. catalog ever done of the UFO phenomenon that I know of was when Valet did it on punch cards or magnetic cards in the 1960s. And that was where the Wednesday phenomenon came out and all that. And you can argue, yeah, but where does that leave us? Well, it was another piece of the data, whether it's useful or not, it might be at some point, but just saying that, you know, People see it in certain places at certain times. You know, what about their feelings? What about their family history? What about their blood type? What about their psychological makeup? A lot of different things. It would be nice to get some of this information from people. And yes, it might be difficult in some places, but it could be done anonymously on the internet. I shouldn't say it's useless. If you're going to plug it into a narrative, um, let me put it to you like this: if you if if it's not if you don't view it as data, if you view it as plot points in a story or other characters or whatever you want to call it, that's fine. If you view it as scientific data that you can plug into some sort of uh, formula no, 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 and no, no, come no. up with an answer, no. then that is far I beyond... I am not it. saying that at oh, all. I'm not saying you are, yeah. but I think most people within ufology, whatever that is, the guys like Dick Hall and Jerry Clark, S- Stan Friedman, they're very good guys, yeah. but you know what? They're looking for... Answers in a way that they're not going to be able to find answers. Well, they've already got the, they've already got the answer in their mind. They're just trying to work their way Jer- back Jerry by, by plugging the data into it. Jerry's still pretty open minded. Really? So, okay. so Stan, in his own way, he says, "I think some of them are aliens. Lots of other answers might be out there for other cases, but you know, I just don't think that's the way you're going to find it." And i I think that's having dealt with two things: one, both believers and disbelievers both the um, people who say it has to be aliens and people who say it can't be aliens, uh, they both are looking at the data and coming... The, the disbelievers say you can't come up with any conclusion out of this. The yeah. believers say you can come up with only one conclusion out of this. Right. And I think the rest of us look at it and go... You know, and they're both a, wrong as wrong can be. You're both right. You're both wrong. We don't know. There's a whole right, bunch okay. of possible answers. But going around, I think we have enough data. I think the the question is... it's It's like... When you're writing a screenplay or a novel, some people do this. They'll put all sorts of plot ideas and character ideas on um, little recipe cards, mm-hmm. yeah. and they'll have like 500 of them. At some point, you have to stop writing down character descriptions right. and actually plug them into the story yeah. and come up with a story. And then you know what? If you got a few characters left over, write another story. Yeah, that's well, what we need, and that's what I'm trying to do yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not try- write stories. Yeah. I'm not trying to say it's going to be answered by data. I'm, what I'm saying is going to be there will be a step made by taking the data that we have and looking at it in different ways. That's not necessarily scientific. That's actually a creative act. Yes, it's the step that I've taken. Yeah. I, I'm the poster child for taking it. Spend a couple of years or almost a decade talking about data and, and looking at the data and then coming to the conclusion, sure, there's something here that we can't explain. Right. All right. Now, I'm going to stop looking at the data, and I'm going to go start looking and thinking. Mac Tony's right. was great for this. Yes. And having known him was part of what led me to this. Yes. But having known you guys and, and Nick and others, you know, people have said, yeah, we get it. There's something. That something might be explainable. We don't know. But let's start thinking about all the possibilities yeah. It might be. Let's be interested without having a, a fixed hypothesis. Sure. And let's realize what we are. We're not scientists. We're yeah. bards. Yeah. We're bards. <laughs> I like that. And and to a small extent wizards, but I like that. Yeah, you know, in a Dungeons and Dragons thing, we're the bard wizard. We're not the <laughs> ranger with with a paladin with a set of principles that can never be broken. I Those guys played, are no full of righteous indignation. Those guys are no fun at a party. We're the bards. And I was we thinking. can toss off a magic missile every now and then Now we're cool. Chicks dig the bards. I like, I, I like the implication of tossing off a magic missile that
1: much. <laughs> There you go. I thought you like that.
0: <laughs> they, Did you they, think about that? You didn't think about that when you were you, saying you it. know what the UFO, I, I know you want to say something well you know what the ufology guys the, the mainstream UFO researchers are who insist that science can solve all this, and so are the disbelievers. They are in a science fiction way the Terminator. Yes, we must do it this way. You know who we are? We're Doctor Fucking Who. That's who we (laughs) are. We're just rolling the dice, man, and going, hey, wherever the TARDIS takes us, that's what's gonna happen. So while I've been out here, there's been a lot of weird freaky coincidences going on. Oh, I knew Paul would get to this. Oh, I like this. You can read my blog, I put a number of them up, one of which includes Walter. The most recent one with well, okay. I want the second most recent one was the one in the bookstore that led me to Cantor's I, with the 355 and the three kids and the book with chapter 55. These are,
2: these are legitimate synchronicities. That, was, that one was truly,
0: truly weird. You can read about it. But here's the most recent one. So the other day, my brother's in town visiting. Wait, that makes it sound like I actually live here. Yeah, my brother's in town visiting you me as so I'm visiting here for somebody three else. Weeks. That's true. And one of the things Jim wanted to do was drive up to Malibu and the coast. So I said, sure, yeah, I, we can do that. That's great. I love Malibu, uh, Zuma Beach, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Point Mugu, fantastic. So as we're, dr- I have a whole plan, because that's what I do. I plan. So I look at MapQuest. I say, fine, we'll drive up the Pacific Coast Highway. We'll go as far as Point Mugu. We'll turn around. We'll come back. We'll do a few other things. I had the the itinerary planned out earlier in the morning. I often do this. I'll go on the internet, and I'll do something like Wikipedia, which is largely useless and yet can be fun, because it, you can go on these little... Um, Tangents. It's good Uh, for quick reference, and it's also good for something like I could Wikipedia Civil War, and as I'm going down, I could see something. I go, oh, that's interesting. Click on it; it takes me somewhere else. And eventually, you could wind up at King Zog of Albania, going through the American Civil War. I've had that happen. But as I was looking, I I was actually looking at the U.S. Civil War because I've been watching something on the History Channel the night before. So I just I googled the Civil War. I wanted to check out a particular general as I'm going down, I see the name of my favorite president, Millard Fillmore. For a whole host of reasons, he is my favorite president. Not the least of which is, his name is Millard Fillmore. Yeah, that's right. You, you just don't get stuff like that until Barack Obama. It's like a weird, you know, like... Well, there was Richard Milhouse, Nixon. Mil- Milhouse is weird, but Richard Nixon is not. Franklin right. Roosevelt is not. John Kennedy is right. not. Millard Fillmore. Yeah. Grover Cleveland's another good one. Yeah. You know, let me tell you. So anyway... Two I g- last names. Exactly. So I go to Millard mm. Fillmore. I read up on him, blah, blah, blah. That that morning, then Jim and I get in the car. We drive up. We do a few things. We hit Swingers and Santa Monica. We're driving up the Pacific Coast Highway. Now remember, I have a plan, like the Cylons. At the very last minute, after we get off Zuma Beach, I go, ah screw the plan. Pull out a map. I go, hmm, hmm, hmm. What's cool? And then I see it. 126, Highway 126, which cut, cuts across country from the Pacific Coast Highway to... Uh, some Is it the 5, Greg? Yeah. High, uh, the Interstate 5, Interstate 10? Uh, five, can I, uh, No, it's the 101 that goes up and connects to right. the 126 sure. and goes east yeah. through uh, where you're going to say. Yeah, but it goes through hill country, as I call it, where you can see orange plantations or whatever there's you guys a, call a, it. I groves. can't remember the valley there, but it's, yeah. it's a, a, a heavily agricultural ba- exactly. valley that grows avocados, oranges, oranges all kinds everywhere. of crops. And I thought, you know what, there's one thing Jim hasn't seen. He's seen the ocean, he's seen L.A. Let's show him a little bit of the interior because it's kind of different. And I go, well, okay, what are we going to do? Fillmore. If you drive in the 126, halfway through the 126 is a little town called Fillmore. So I think, all right, I was, that's weird. I was looking at Fillmore earlier today, 126, fine. We get on the 126. What's the first crossroads you see? I didn't know this. The Nord first uh, ramp. Nope. First off-ran, uh, first exit. What is it, Greg? Kimball Road. I think of you every time I go by that road when I'm up in Santa Barbara. We drive by and I go, holy crap. My brother who sort of knew about the uh, conspiracy stuff, the coincidental stuff. He went, what? I I told him the story and he went, it's probably a coincidence, but it's kind of weird. The only reason we were on that road is because Fillmore clicked. I was thinking of going up through Ojai, yeah. which is, I know that area because Bob's You Bob can't really get back to there. LA from Ojai. No, but you can circle around. Yeah, you can go through that nice uh, yeah. rural area. Right. I was basically With just. With more go- orange groves. Yeah, I was just going to drive up to Ojai and then drive back. I flew over that. Is it a Santa Paula or, or is right? that farther north? Santa Paula is on the 126 the, the going road road, in. Yeah. It's, it's, where it's you, before yeah. Fillmore, which but was after Kimball Road. Which was
2: featured in the film The Philadelphia Experiment.
0: Well, that's another thing because my, like, Paul and Paula was there. But the, I knew that I could look at a map and see that. No idea that Kimball Road was there. So Fillmore, going up, last-minute decision, and the first thing we see, Kimball Road, That's and two Kimballs in a hard the car.
2: Synchronicity, weird. Very and weird. let me throw another one. You were on Highway 126, which um, is uh, you add up the the uh, digits, and that comes to nine, and nine is a very esoteric number with special properties that no other single number has. And yes, um, it's the uh, number
0: that the Magic Flute is based on, and also at well, least Strieber uses it in that book. And it's the very tied into the, the mysticism
2: of baseball. Baseball's a mystical oh, yes, game. Yes.
0: Now, this is freaky. As you said baseball, I was just about to tell a baseball story from our game last night. Because, as you know, we went to see the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes. And I was driving back. You were driving back. Greg called you from the car as we were I approaching know, Rancho Cucamonga Damn and me. said, about Hey, Walter. An hour before the game. Yeah, yeah you want to come? And you were like, no, I can't make it. Fine, whatever. We go see the game. And guess what? One of the relief pitchers, his name was Walter. That was his, his last name was Walter. It was on his back. Not Walter's, but so Walter. So that you would notice it. Yeah. Oh, I got a picture of it.
2: What was his first name? And I
0: don't know. Josh, I think. There's a, there's a person with
2: two first names as their name there you go there's so many of them and we're
0: t- but you just
2: see that's weird the punchline is the number on his jersey
0: uh, i have a picture of it i could check that but you cody as, ross that's someone other one with two first let me just say names. as no, i was I think thinking of it you mentioned baseball just as i said i'm gonna tell this story and you went that's a baseball number I,
2: that's freaky man it's gonna be amazing if his number is nine or any multiple of nine I'm um, checking it 9, 18, now because I still have it. We talked about
0: this in the 72. car a bit, Paul and I, and I was saying he was saying he t- wasn't really making, wasn't really sure if these coincidences, quote unquote, were mental or there was something else going on. I said it well, was a combination of both.
2: It's not coincidence; it no. is synchronicity. And if you if you really, Sesheri um, and I well, have had long what, discussions about. what's your definition of synchronicity? Oh, something weird
0: is going on. It's it's, it's, well, it's okay. Okay, it's a
2: coincidence. Um, it's intelligently Uh-oh. designed coincidence for a f, uh, to to enlighten you or mm-hmm. alert you on something. Also, it ties in with the concept of. I, I think it's the, going on all the time with of the you just don't the axis it. of circumstance and the vector of desire. 38. 38. It's not a nine. No,
0: no. But three is... Nine is a prime number. No, wait, it's not a prime number, but it's divisible. Three by three, nine. Well, is And eight is, eight is, three is the squared. number nearest to... Cl- See, that's how you descend into madness with stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you do
2: descend into madness. Uh, yeah, 38, I put no um, yeah. significance into that. Uh, the only thing I would think is um, what was going on with me personally when I was 38 years old, and maybe there's something to do with baseball.
0: Here's, here's something creepy. You know what Josh Walter's ERA was in, as he began the inning? 4.05. Walter. Nine.
2: There's your nine. There's the picture
0: because I took a picture of, by coincidence, of the scoreboard where it just listed his, his ERA. ERA. 4.05.
2: Yes. There you yeah, go. There's, See? There's your nine, folks. Now, this
0: is synchronicity. But you can't, can you do that with just about anything? I've seen a bunch no. of skeptical articles where you, people have be, been able to do that with lots of different things. What do you mean, do Depending what? Depending on of different what you things. pay attention to. And they will come up with something. I, I, well, I'll have to find one of the articles. But I've my, heard my people point say is, that
2: there's other numbers that do what nine does. Not true. Mm. There's a
0: I'm I am anything but of the school of nothing but. But I tend to think I I tend to have to try. Could to, you
2: explain that? Yeah, please. Anything do. But.
0: the nothing but where somebody yeah. says it's nothing but coincidence or it's nothing. Oh, okay. But right,
2: right, right. Yeah. What's that? It's what's the skeptic. It's the Cucamonga Quakes uh, the logo. Q? Is that a? It's a, I like that. Okay. It
0: would ahead. be nothing but except for the fact that. I've been experiencing a, like a series. One, I write off. Even two, yeah. when I get to the bookstore and I get the whole 3-5 thing, folks, read it yeah, on my blog. Yeah, That's yeah. weird. And then you get uh, the Fillmore, the 126, the Kimball Road. And then even a, this is a relatively small one compared to the bookstore. But we're ta- you call him, Walter, come to the game, can't make it. They bring in a guy, a pitcher whose name is Walter. I know On what our means. show, Walter says, he's talking, he's, he brings up the word baseball. I'm not kidding, folks. I was thinking at that very second, I'm going to tell this coincidence story about this Walter guy and his ERA. Walter mentions nine. It turns out his ERA, which for any baseball fan is a v- maybe the most important number for a pitcher, yeah. is your earned run average. Whip is right up there. His ERA is 4.05. So the zero is a write-off. That's right. So you got the four and a five,
2: which is nine. a nine. Okay, now let me tell Weird. you what I think it means. I, I and, and I'm not just saying this. I'm, I mean, I, I sincerely uh, uh, think that this is what it's pointing to. Our little venture on our film—it's a good sign of that. We're gonna have a budget of nine dollars. We're gonna we're, we're gonna make nine million.
0: Oh, I thought you were gonna say say I thought you were gonna say we're gonna make nine dollars, which would be nine more dollars than I made in my last one. So.
2: <laughs> Only nine more? Yeah. Are, are you I'm including not, the in the whole part? I'm not including the no, in the no, whole part. Uh, Sesharee <laughs> and I have had long discussions about this concept of um, the uh, axis of circumstance and the vector of desire. And the axis of, axis of circumstance and the vector of desire intersect at certain points throughout your life. And um, significant points and synchronicities are very often tied to these intersections of these two things, and they are very much pointers to... um Well, you're... you're, you're,
0: uh My idea when you're saying all this is that the consciousness of the person that's experiencing it is is just as important an ingredient as the so-called coincidences or whatever is going on. Because like you need to be there to notice it. I think well, it's of part course. of it. It's, I think it's, it's happening because it's you.
2: You're supposed to notice it. It's exactly. It's talking to you, the individual.
0: Right and and, but, and you are supposed, but to but that it. stuff. I think that stuff is there all the time. But you start making. I think so. It sometimes it is. You sometimes know why? It's because not, but
2: regardless, look, you're supposed. to... You said to, this
0: thing about Walter. I'd forgotten about it, and I didn't even think to look about this 4.05. And
2: so to me, it was meaningless. Okay, let me let me put it this way. Like but, you like you said, sometimes it's there all along. Yes, indeed. Sometimes the thing that you, the individual, are supposed to notice was oh, put in place You're thinking years I'm saying it's before. nothing but. What I'm saying is, I Ooh. don't think the the "Quote
0: unquote," woo woo. Part of it is all that's all that's going on. It's a, it's a symbiosis between sure. you becoming more aware, yes, and the world that you live in and what is available to you as uh, yes. you know in, in your experience. You start seeing in your, the fabric
2: of reality and how you fit in.
0: And this this has gone on for. And I I pointed this thing about William Burroughs to you uh, when you first started noticing it because in a in one of his lectures, which can be uh, downloaded from archive.org, He says when, you know, he talks about going out and noticing things as part of the writing process, being hyper aware of things. And he had students go out and be hyper aware of things so they could use it in their writing. And he said some of them started going nuts because they thought that everything was directed at them. Seriously, hold on. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not kidding. I picked up the uh, Ask the Dust by John Fonte. I just opened it to a random page because I I was thinking I'm just going to do a reading. To sort of break this up, I want you, Walter, to read. I'm not kidding. I didn't even look. I want you to read the page number
2: 99.
0: 99. As we're talking, I'm not, you, like, you saw me. I didn't, i, so I just picked up you're, a you're, book. Welcome you're not to my thinking world. That this has been happening heavily for four somewhere years. Somewhere in your subconscious, you can figure out where 99 is and mark it with your finger and open it up. Yeah, I don't believe that. It's the I same, do. It's the same thing as the book in the Barnes and Noble where I just happened to open that it you up could, to ch- chapter, but that 55. I don't think that means it's meaningless.
2: Okay, I see. Your, I see your point. You're, you're kind of saying that just, and and I like that. Just because. That's possible doesn't make it any less meaningless. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'd like to point out that it it just dawned on me that uh, you you guys were saying something. It could be, but, you know, for the uh, sake of being interesting, I don't think it's meaningless. Somebody said something that has to do with the connect. Oh, yeah, when we were talking about you find your place in the fabric of reality. Oh, I said that. Um, (laughs) It it reminded me of The Prisoner, the final episode, the great series created by uh, Patrick McGowan and starring him. Um, you recall the one character who starts singing the leg bones connected to the hip bone and the hip bone. Bones I out. think what that is was a symbolic way of talking about synchronicity and finding your place in this fabric of reality. And, and uh, that's how deep that show tried to get. Well,
0: also people will deal with con- just about this thing we're, notice- we're noticing and you don't notice. People start dealing with concepts and including them in their creative process and maybe not even aware of it. The I, concepts and the synchronicities are finding them sure sure absolutely i think it's I think it impacts on us all in different ways. my brother doesn't we talked about this he doesn't do coincidences doesn't happen to him for him, he said deja vu like more so than your average person would have, and uh, I thought, well, you know what maybe in you for you that's how it's something talking to you yeah. and for I get deja vu too you know what look i'm Uh, Deja Vu is different than what uh, we're describing here. No, I think it's a manifestation. I think you can have different manifestations of the same thing, which is connecting into what Walter's talking about. The fabric of reality. Oh, my God. I'm going to be banned from the Pericast. Oh, wait. No. Right oh, I've already okay. banned myself from the Paracast. There we that's
2: go. That's right, because you agree with Walter Bosley. that, N- that uh, No,
0: because Gene's an ass, but sure, whatever. <laughs> no, um, it's just a happy coincidence thought. that,
2: yeah, I agree with Walter on that.
0: Well, there is that contingent of those people that when they find and we've complained about this before, when one thing is hinky, then the rest of it is bullshit. I, yeah, throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You yeah. know, it is a weird coincidence, and it's, it's rare that I would disagree with my good friend Greg, but when we're, you're talking, and he's saying nine, and we're going down this story, and we kind of wound our way into there at just that moment. I pick up a book that you introduced me to. Yes. I had never heard of this guy, Yes, and, he, and I just pick the book up literally like, folks can't see this, this is why we do television, just like this, and I'm looking at you guys as you talk, and I open a book, I look down, I go, crap. 99. I just opened it to 59.
3: Okay. So Nine. You, you,
0: think it, you think it's more likely that there was a meaningful coincidence, that yep. totally happened by coincidence, yep. far more likely than your subconscious was able to figure out where page 99 was. Absolutely. You know what, science geeks? Occam's razor tells me that it's more likely there's something meaningful to that yes. than all of these things are just random.
2: Once It happens once, that that's random. Just, Let me yeah. throw this one at you. Uh, my but, father. My yeah, father, that is
0: a time thing going on, and your subconscious can see past that and pick that. But that's still paranormal. Oh, the time yes. thing.
2: We'll get to that. My father. Uh, i not born, discounting paranormal. Was born in 1936. 36 being a nine year. 27 years later, in 1963, both nine numbers. 27 to 63. I was born. 27 years later, when I was 27, in 1990, another nine year. My son was born. All right, you're clearly crazy, but no, I'm just—I'm just kidding,
0: folks. See, you know what? You can look, and I'm—I'm with the science geeks, the sort of rationalists, who say for a lot of people, it's all like that. You're just crazy, not you, Walter, but they can say, "Look, you're—you know, you're kind of nuts." Like we can clearly identify that you're. Well, that's an easy way to say I don't have to deal with what you're talking about. Sure, but there are some people who are clearly nuts. Nuts. Yes, of course, sure, yeah. But I think. You know, I'm not one of them. I of, of anybody. You hope if, if, well. You know what, folks who are listening. If, of the three of us sitting here, the most rationalist of us for many years, was me. I mean, I would look and go, you well, know, Walter, maybe you're a little nuts. My attitude Greg, is... you're a bit out there with your UFO mystic writings and stuff. I'm more... Yeah, but I've, now I notice the stuff you're writing about is echoing what I wrote, like, five years ago. Let me well, tell you, three years ago. Let me tell you something. 13 episodes of looking for ghosts in creepy places and having a crap That'll load of strange things happen yeah. opens your mind to the experiential nature of, right. of what's going on. And the idea, as Walter says, that, no, I don't want to put words in Walter's mouth, but maybe it's kind of like... I, st- I start to look at it kind of like a Matrix thing without being the Matrix. If they had, o- if they had only made just one, say, the other tribe, <laughs> yeah. But the idea that this reality, whatever it is, is not necess- uh, This sounds weird, but is not necessarily reality. It's a reality. And there are other realities, and uh, yeah. we can Remember? get glimpses of it. Pl- yeah. And maybe all these coincidences, for instance, that have happened to me are things that I don't understand, but I could, if I thought about them more... Or if I you look at it connected. from a different perspective, sure, that I, is not totally available to most people. I was in uh, my thesis advisor when I was doing my grad degree in history. Was a born again Christian, and I was doing my thesis on nineteenth uh, century evangelicals. Yes. So um, my advisor, he would often you know sit down, you'd chat, and he he would never try and proselytize or evangelize, but he would sometimes talk about Paul. Why are you an agnostic? Why don't you believe? And I. 99% of the time, I'd be like, eh, okay, fine, Burkhardt, keep talking. There was this one time I remember being in his office, and I'd just written a uh, particularly, you know, I'd sort of been reading Henry Allen's journal and getting into his experience where he talked about being ravished by the Spirit and being converted and experiencing God and all that sort of stuff. And Kiesekamp, my thesis advisor, who was German, was talking about it. And I really felt, it's as close as I've ever felt to something washing over me. And he wasn't hard-selling or anything, but I felt a tingle, a something, whatever it was. And my mind, I stopped listening to him, and I immediately said, oh, wow, this could be like God coming into And then I thought, no, it can't be. I don't want that. This is horrible. And then it went away. And I was not open to it. I might have been open because of what he was saying, what I had been writing. A little opening came in, and something wandered in, and then it was like, boom, gone. And I've always, that was almost uh, 15 years ago. I look back on that and wonder, you know what, what if I hadn't said,
2: like, where leave would me alone?
0: Where would, I, where would I have gone?
2: Well, try it again. Try to go there again, and then... Uh, no, I don't want
0: to go. There's the thing. I don't want to go there because, and this gets back to our earlier conversation and the things I've been writing about, what we need to do as a society, why we're not ready, where we need well, to go. That point because I don't like a loss of control issue. Well, I like my life. Yeah. I, I like this. I like the way it's run. Uh, and if you if you travel yeah. past that, then there's an element of uncertainty there. And it's it's, it's I like, like certainty.
2: It's like you know I've had two marriages, I, I've had, I got two divorces, I've lived with two other women, it, you know, none of my relationships work out, and you know what? I feel like my head is more clear when I'm not in love with somebody, when I'm not wrapped up emotionally and my, my heart's not set on somebody, and people say, oh, that's lonely, that's terrible. No, it's not. I, I accomplish more, I feel more myself, I have more clarity. It, that is like, to me, being uh, inebriated, and it has never ended good for me. So the, you know, but my thing is, I was going to say earlier, if I'm crazy for some of the things I've said, like I was attacked for on the, the Paracast and stuff, if I'm crazy, then every single person who goes to a church and prays to a god and has faith in their religion is as crazy as I am. And I don't ever want to hear criticisms from any person who's a person of faith about the things I've experienced because that makes them, as far as I'm concerned, what we call a goddamn hypocrite.
0: Seriously, you, like you cannot run for president of the United States, well, you could run, but you're not going to win unless you at some point say, I'm a Christian of some form. I could be a Baptist, a Methodist, an Episcopalian, even a Catholic. And I don't, I'm not diminishing yeah, no, Catholics. Non-Christians would be
2: suspect. You're right. You certainly well, could he, never... You I certainly think you could be a Jew. I think you could be a Jew. Maybe and Joe, and a Joe
0: Lieberman was as close as you got to... To a Jew getting to high office because it's the whole President.
2: Judeo-Christian. We there, there's a connection there, Judeo-Christian tradition, and I, sure. I think a Jew could win. Sure, right now a Muslim couldn't. You have to be spiritual. I I'm think, not
0: saying that's right. I think you have to be a Christian. Maybe a, a Jewish person could get in. The one thing you could not be, you might, As an atheist. Be, you could never get elected in this country as an atheist. That's right. You no. m- you might sneak in if you were a waffling agnostic, but I think they're out too. No. So you you have to be a believer. You have to stand up um, and 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 say i absolutely like do i really believe bill clinton was is a christian i don't i bill clinton was screwing everything under the sun let That's me tell right. you something i don't think bill clinton gives a rat's ass about jesus or any of that stuff but he would have to say yeah, of course i am hillary of course i am obama of course i am here's the thing on your point try so these people are elected our leaders are lionized for believing basically in the flying freaking spaghetti monster call him jesus call him whatever Great, you try saying, "Well, okay, maybe I kind of like Jesus was a great prophet, but there is something paranormal. There isn't a, a non, a higher non-human intelligence. Right. that Maybe it's extraterrestrial or other dimensional, or or it's, but it's not the God as you conceive of it." Good luck getting elected with that v- point right. of view. Right, and so the as you're pointing well, out, the yeah. ultimate hypocrisy. We live in a society, well, especially Americans, but even Canadians to a lesser extent, that is approaching, certainly in this country, a theocracy. You know, it's not that, in its own way, it's not that far removed from Iran. You want to run Iran? You yeah, to, I you don't you know, you got
2: but we, we, we don't tolerate a, a mutawa in our but, society. we got enough people that say, hey, preachy guy, shut the fuck up. I'm going to drink and I'm going to monger whores, whether you like it or not, because <laughs> I'm an American. True, but I think, but I think ultimately that. at
0: its core principles it's a distinction without a difference. Because if you cannot be elected to the highest office in the land, or frankly most of the lower offices, without affirming your belief in God... If you cannot stand in front of the American people and say, you know, things like
2: even Obama being <laughs> well, quoted, that's, that's hypocrisy, it's not God's, hypocrisy. It's God's well, will. I, I, that's our Puritan hypocrisy, sure. and you're I, well aware of that. Yes. In our colonial era, for those who don't know history, and there's a lot of you out there who don't, and maybe not in this audience so much, but and most of you vote unfortunately. But we, we've got we've got this this uh, schizophrenia in our history and our society because of the Puritans who came here. This we want our leaders to be these ridiculous non-human Puritanicals, which is bullshit. And, and well, but but yet not reflective yeah. of of who we are, and we're very few of us are puritanical. How much do you want to ask? Nor for? would I want to be.
0: How I, much can you ask for? Can you ask for tolerance of people who say all that stuff and then really don't practice it or do you want them to actually practice it and have everything fall apart where nobody is allowed to think freely? That's right. See Walter, you, See your you guys live on the left coast. I think if you travel through middle America, yeah, and so- and the well, south I got relatives in the
2: south and, and I, in think other places. I, but I, I think I think they're more open-minded than you think.
0: Yeah, and, and I think most people in Iran are more open-minded than is presented I've, I've, to I've us. I've been there. You're right. As individuals, people are surprisingly. But as a culture, as a society, dealable. Um, and there are religious elements in Canada too. But when we yeah. look south, and I know when Europeans look across the ocean, yeah. it's just mind-boggling.
2: Because we have the schizophrenia. We and, really do. It's and we bad. look.
0: And we look at this country as a, if not a full theocracy, at least. An in, you know sort of a pseudo theocracy where they don't want to admit it. They claim there's a separation of church and state, but when you see people standing up with their their hands on their chest and saying, you know, God wants us to do this. George Bush, I am guided by God. Yeah. Say what now? But see that doesn't freak us out so much. Yeah, well it should really? because he's got his <laughs> he's got his out. finger on the fucking button and did God he push it? No, he didn't. No, but he, he could didn't. have, because what if he well, wakes up? Could all,
2: they could all push it. Barack Obama could push I'd it. Perp-
0: I'd like the flying spaghetti monster to tell <laughs> him to push it, as opposed to the <laughs> See, vengeful I, god I, from I, the I Old guess, Testament. But, but
2: here's here's the thing, Americans. Though we can tell the difference between your run-of-the-mill, like everybody else, God and country, and the true god fanatic because look look what happens really? we like to see some of these guys torn down when the, you, you know what i'm saying yeah. I, I mean look at the jim bakers look at the who's oh. the recent one i don't one. know you got a lot the, of these the, the alleged yeah, yeah. pure religious leader who then you find out he's human but, and it's like bush was a shit on bush
0: was as close to a pure evangelical as you could get and there's a lot of people who would say that a lot of the wars forget the 9-11 and forget the right, afghanistan right, right. but a lot of the other stuff was inspired by a neo neocon movement that at its core roots was a Judeo-Christian kind of yeah. way of looking at a crusade again. Yeah, a lot of those dress, guys are... Dressing it up as neoliberal freedom and all that sort of stuff.
2: I'm for... I'm no, glad no. you brought up crusade because I like the concept of crusade when it's a reaction to, to something rotten that's done by an opposition. Sure, I agree. We should have a cru- crusade I against don't ignorance. Like, I, I agree with you on the... I don't like the crusade that's like, hey, let's just stir up an excuse to have essentially what is a crusade. And go against these guys because we don't like them or we disagree with them. Yeah, I'm opposed to that. Have That's you, bullshit. Have you That's ever, not truly American. Have you
0: friend, ever read Daniel way. Quinn's book? Well, no, it's not what I love. People ask me, oh, "You must be anti-American." I go, "No, I'm the most pro-American guy you're ever going to find, including most Americans. I love America. I love everything it stands for. Um, I just don't think it, you know, or practice it, says it stands for. Practice what you preach, boys. And you know, if you start looking at, at what you're preaching, it's or it's not. You're not practicing what the original. Not the founding fathers and strict constructionalism of the Constitution. Screw that. Th- no, but the, the ideals. The, the spirit the ideals. of it. The basic the principles yeah, the of what you're trying to represent. And it it doesn't. It's a journey, not a destination. Yes. I think most Americans think they've hit the destination. Yeah, well, yeah. They think that the you're the, there. I and think no. the uh, idea was. Let's start out with something and evolve it properly as time goes on. We're trying to leave the door open to evolve that, but a lot of people don't like the
2: uncertainty of an evolutionary process. But but we were talking about
0: the hypocrisy of the paranormal beliefs versus the uh, proclaiming your belief in God.
2: My big but I was saying was, but what essentially should always be there... Are practices based on the principles, no matter what the era looks like, no matter what the society looks like in any given year, a thousand years from now or whatever, there should always be that respect for the individual liberty, there should always be that respect for um, uh, the, you know the basic principles, however that's expressed in the given time in history but okay but it, and and it, it's going to waver to degrees through different points in history. But you there, li- There's some points in history where the collective is the good thing to serve. There's some points in history where, by God, you've got to respect the individual thing. And, un- it, you know, it's flexible.
0: Until you live in a society, and I'm not picking on Americans now because Canada's the same way, we're all the same way. Until you live a soci- in a society where they're not just talking about equality of opportunity, but they're talking about equality of situation, then we haven't evolve to the point we need to evolve because if you say everybody has the same opportunity, you know what Walter, you could be a billionaire, you could become president, the truth is no you can't Um, different people have different Opportunities based on their situation. No, no, no. The I mean, d- we, we all have the same opportunity, but it's the circumstances. It's, no. That well, are, then you don't really have the same opportunity. You. One of the first things they teach you in law school, you walk into a class criminal law and they yeah. ask you this question. So you're living in pre revolutionary France and there's law in the books. Uh, now, is this a fair law? There's a law in the books that says that you can't sleep under a bridge during a rainstorm that applies to everybody. Is that a fair law in principle?
2: Forget about whether it's a good law. Is it a fair law? It's probably for the public safety because they're worried about the river flooding that's under the bridge and you'll drown. No. The answer
0: that they would all tell us is, of course, it's not a fair law. Because while it applies to everybody equally, how many rich aristocrats do you know that slept under bridges? None. The people who were sleeping under the bridges were the poor and the homeless. And the law was put into place... To make sure that they would be... To make it illegal to be poor. There's a law that uh, applies to everyone, but it actually doesn't
2: affect everyone. Exactly. Affect everyone.
0: And ergo, equality of opportunity versus situation. And everybody in that class in first-year criminal law would go, Whoa, dude... And, yeah, you you're know. turning us all into liberals. Shut up. <laughs> well, it is true, my professor. No, no, so turning me into a liberal. Yeah, my professor was liberal, conservative. Screw it. The, these, a, these labels are goofy. I'm, yes, a, exactly. I'm a fiscal. That, I'm what you the call point I was In the making. United
2: States, a fiscal and um, national security conservative, but socially, I'm much more of a libertine. And my more staunch conservative friends, it drives them nuts because. I know if you want to smoke wacky weed, fine, as long as you 're not hurting somebody, I personally don't care as long as you understand right now it's illegal, and if you get busted, don't bitch because you knew you were choosing to do something illegal if you know if if you want to be gay, if you want to be this that i don 't care what you do with your personal life as long as you 're not hurting others. real staunch conservatives not only do they want to be physical conservatives and strong national security, but they want to control also what you do with your body and that 's bullshit
0: so. In 1775, then you would have been pro-British in the no. sense that we don't care what you do in oh, your no, no, home, no, 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 but no, no. as long as, you, I'm don't as, long as I you don't monarchy as long as you don't well, wait now, as long as you don't go around blowing things up and stealing guns from armories and stuff. So what would you say to um, leaving aside any motivations, but a guy like not Tim McVeigh, we won't say Tim McVeigh, but a guy who genuinely believes that the system is corrupt? United States, the United Sure. A modern Guy Fox who says, you know what, we're going to blow up the White House and Congress because this is all screwed up. Now, as a national security conservative, and, and maybe this guy's even a Muslim. Maybe he's, low, he's an American Muslim, but he's a Muslim. He says, this is wrong. What you're doing in our world is wrong. What you're doing in our own country is wrong. Hmm. And I'm a good American, and I'm gonna, I want to take violent protests beyond just the Martin Luther King stuff, which is basically how you founded your country. Yes, it is. So what if the enemy now as many people seem to believe, is your
2: own government. I'm going to answer it this way. And this is way off the paranormal, folks. And I'm going to answer it in a delicate way because, as you know, professional considerations. Sure. I have, to paraphrase, uh, taken an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. And I stand by that.
0: What if the way to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America is to launch a violent revolution against a government that is not upholding the Constitution of the United States of America, much the same way as John Adams had taken an oath to defend the crown and uphold the principles of British democracy, which was also colonial democracy, but then became a revolutionary, Mm-hmm. once he came to believe right. that those principles were not Sounds that's right. like it right. depends on how good of a propagandist you are of and course. how many people agree with you. Um, what, were the, what were the revolutionaries? To, that, to answer the propagandists. Your, oh,
2: to answer your question under those circumstances, <laughs> I have taken an oath to uphold and defend <laughs> the Constitution <laughs> of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign <laughs> and, 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 and domestic. domestic. So, folks, and I've you, taken that oath three times.
0: If you start seeing mailboxes blowing up in San Bernardino, you know where to look, folks. No, I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you'd go bigger. Look, I had a, it's interesting because I had a, an interesting conversation with a good friend of mine um, who's a communist. She claims to be absolutely a communist. And she was um, she's, we're very smart. I love her. She's a graduate student. She was going on and on and on about how we need to change things, how we need to do this, how society is unequal and everything. And I had had a few beers in me. Uh-oh. And I said, look. You Just can like t- now. You can talk about it. You know what's going to happen? Jack shit. You want to do something? <laughs> you start lining people up and putting bullets in the back of their heads. Like, you seriously want to change the way the world is. There ordered. are times
2: in history when that has to be done. Yeah. Then and, you and, need and you to know start if killing any, If people. any of my past employers or potentially, you know, whatever future employers would, would take issue with me at that, I'd look at them and I'd say, you sons of bitches, don't you fucking sit there and tell me I said something wrong when our nation was founded on a bloody revolution. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. A
0: nation that was founded on a bloody revolution <laughs> launched by a minority of its citizens. Because most historians will tell Hent- you, th-
2: hence my "How good a propagandist
0: are you, and exactly. how how many people can you get to agree with you before it becomes wrong?" A third were generally patriots, as Americans call them, or as we call them, traitors in Canada. A third, <laughs> a third were generally loyalists, and my family had people on both sides. Yeah. I mean, New York was staunchly loyalist yeah. right up until the bitter well, end. I
2: mean, only a third fought this revolution. Yeah,
0: and a third sat in the middle, like most people do, Waiting and go for the Super Bowl. Yeah, to see up. who wins. But totally get your point. To bring it back to the paranormal and the things I've been writing about, my conversation with this um, young communist, not that young, but um, lovely communist, very pretty too, and super smart, great person to have a beer with, that's what I'm talking about lately in my posts on my blog. Because you have all these people, I I view them like I view her, at least in theory, on this issue. Oh, we need to change, everything needs to change. Really? and you think a street protest is going to do that, where you wave right. a few signs as... Um, and then leave. And good then point. Good luck. What you need to do is start shooting people. And to the the paranormal, the UFO community, I'm not advocating you go out and start shooting people. But I would say, look, you're talking about a, thou- a million facts m- thing on Washington to get the government to disclose yeah, what no. they don't, no, do or no, don't no, know. No no, no. no, no. We're talking about a major change, a fundamental change in who we are when yes. we meet this non... And you know what? If you think the Native Americans got a shock when they met the Europeans, let me tell you something. Multiply that by a factor of whatever, 100, because that's the shock well, we're mul- going to get yeah. when what, we well, human mul- intelligence. Multiply it by, if, I can't even understand yeah. it, even if you explained it to me because the language isn't available. And It's off the hook. It won't, yeah, it won't be a shock. It'll say. be an internal thing where your mind is... People's minds turn around to the point that, or turn or evolve to the point where they can see things and start to sort of ba- vaguely understand where the paranormal, what we call the paranormal stuff, is coming from and what it is now. And I think it's on a level that is inconceivable to most people, except for some. Coincidence. Extremely intelligent people, or extremely weird and intelligent people who are in various fields. Uh, Anything from the artistic endeavors to scientific endeavors, but people that are way off the beaten track there, I think they get an inkling of what some of this stuff is. Sure, I think there's no difference between a guy like Mozart, who's getting music that maybe 10 people in human history can comprehend, or Bach, and a guy like Einstein or Heisenberg, who are getting mathematical equations and things like that, that may maybe more than 10, but less than 1% of human history people could understand. Maybe that explains Lady Gaga. No. Um, if anything, Lady Gaga's living proof that there is a devil.
2: She rem- <laughs> she, to me, she's a blend of Dale Bozio of Missing Persons and Madonna. But, yes, um, yes. To me, she's a blend of Chris Bozio, formerly uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, <laughs> and Madonna. But I think one of the biggest surprises we're all going to get when the disclosure comes is that Flying saucers are going to land won't. when they choose to, not by our demands. And when they step out and they take the helmets off and we see they're humans just like us. Could be. I would say this. I don't think that's going to happen. Folks, we're going to run over tonight because I insist.
0: Oh, uh, I know you see me still looking over my shoulder no, at the clock. I didn't I'm see I'm just that. looking at that. House of Paz oh, is no. open all night. Yes. That's right, House of Paz. I sat on a panel once at an ex-conference with um, a bunch of people, including Don. I lied to Kevin Randall's uh, Schmidt. Yes. and uh, no, who, He didn't just lie to Kevin Randall. He, li- he lied to everyone. Yes, but Kevin was his close friend. Yes, his yes, research exactly. partner. So, I mean, I'm taking it down to its core. You lied to your buddy research partner. Yes. And um, so how Man, is he's how, back doing speeches and how the, conferences? Yeah, and how stuff. the fuck does Don Schmidt get invited to anything other Me than too. Liars Anonymous? Um, anywho, so there's Don Schmidt nattering on about how we need disclosure, we need disclosure, we need disclosure, and I said we've already had disclosure, Don. There's there the we sirens. Go. It happens a little, a little later tonight than normal, folks. But there are the sirens. It made it before the hour. Yep. So Excellent. Go ahead. So they're all, um, you know, Rich uh, was up there. Um, good people like Rich, crazy people like Alfred Weber, and liars like Don Schmidt. They were all on the same panel, and they were all sort of talking about, we need disclosure, we need disclosure. And I turned, because it was Schmidt who had said it most recently, and he's very personable in that uh, person, folks, um, which is, you know, most con artists are. And I said, look, we've already had disclosure. Project Blue Book, the American Files on Disclosure, you know, like all the investigations were disclosed years ago, long before the British and the Brazilians and everything else. That's how I was viewing disclosure at the time. Yes. Now I would say we've already, we haven't had disclosures as as a society. We have as individuals. I think disclosure will come not by the release of files or any of that crap. No. It comes to each and every one of us in our own time, in our own way, with an understanding that there's more, as Brian Ferry once said. There's more than this. <laughs> that was my Walter Bosley impression. There's more than this. That's <laughs> what Walter he said. That's pretty good. Greg Bishop. It is well, it it's that's the exact same thing I was saying in a different f- format. And I, and, and it's, I just stole it is, from you. I don't think the brains are ready to and the the the, the fo- so society and the philosophy and all that of. Most of the people that live on this earth and the philosophies they live under are ready to accept, or not accept, ready to understand what is called the paranormal until either something shows us that's not all there is, or, more likely, small incremental discoveries are made which start to change people's minds about how to look at reality and how to look at something that's called paranormal, which is what Paul is doing, what I try to do when I'm writing stuff, what Nick tries to do, what Mac was trying to do, what Richard does in his way, all these people. And I think that nobody's going to have the answer. What they're going to have is a little little quantum put... There's that stupid word here and there. The over-under on quantum was one hour and 28 minutes. These little tiny pushes here and there until things change almost in an imperceptible subconscious way and it may take a hundred years, it may take a thousand years, probably in between there somewhere, where it beca- the thing isn't paranormal anymore it's just part of the way people look at things and it becomes accepted and it won't it'll probably be like, oh yeah, of course why didn't we notice that before? Of course they are another consciousness uh, uh, you know, communicating with us on a uh, on a way that we previously didn't even realize well cuz
2: things we believe in today would have been thought of And as... and in,
0: and in, I think Whitley Strieber, and, and you know whatever you think of him is is said this the first time I ever heard this that it will be done in a demo if it is coming from somewhere else and it is coming from an external source that wants us to notice it's being done in the most democratic way possible by individuals one by one. Sure. Because their antenna are up and receiving and their decoders are working vaguely properly. Why don't they quote quote land on the White House lawn or whatever? Because why they can't. Why don't they go to the National Academy of Sciences? No. I th- why would they? To them, whatever the advanced non-human intelligence might be if such a thing exists, there's no real difference between Michio Kaku and me. Yes. There is in our own human society. Yeah. But to that kind of intelligence, What he knows and what I know, it's the difference between the smart ant and the dumb ant. And how can you frankly tell the difference between the smart one and the dumb one? I mean, the dumb one's probably got two cubes of sugar on his back, and the smart one's telling him where to go. But beyond that, (laughs) how would you know which is the smart ant and which is the the not smart ant? I know who the smart monkey is, was the one that you took a picture of that was was very sad. Very sad. He had finally given up. And it it gets to that idea, which I sort of was talking about, inspired by partly by the sad monkey picture, the sad chimp picture. I was at the L.A. Zoo, and there's this one chimp behind a cage. He truly looked like he was existentially challenged. Like, <laughs> I'll
3: I d- show you the I picture. don't care. Such a Leave
0: great me movie. in the jungle and let me die. I don't want to be here. And a friend of mine, I had read this book some time ago, but she, Christina reminded me of it. She said, um, you should check Daniel Quinn's book, Ishmael, out. And the idea that which I think we need to start thinking about, we view ourselves as the pinnacle of Terran evolution, which is humans run the planet, and all these other things, they're here for our purposes. And I would say, you know what? We are, that's today, and that's for the last few thousand years. But there was a time when the idiot dinosaurs ran the planet, and there's probably going to be a time in about a million years when we're not here anymore, and maybe something else is running the planet. And we... There he is. Nealist ma- chimp, chimp. Oh yeah. Oh my God, that poor monkey. <laughs> <I> took, <laughs> Jesus. Like, the other chimps were, were all happy and squirreling around, but this one chimp. He had I'm figured not kidding. it out, and he it was, scared the shit oh, out of him. That's painful was, to look at. He almost. was like that for 10. I took picture after picture. He was like that for 10 minutes. Another chimp came down and, and sort of tried to make him happy, and he was just, no, I don't want to be happy. I'm just going to be like, this. Nah. See, he's a
2: goth chimp. Now, I never would have said something like that before I, I had my dog Coco Pelly, who I'm very in. I, I I'm very connected to her emo- psycho emotional state, you know, and so I look at that and I you know I'm like, that really is a sad animal right there, very sad. and and That's I'm not one of these peta maniacs who's you know going to go over the top with every little incident and every little thing, and now watch the peta people will agree with the skeptics on the paracast that I'm an asshole, but. um I don't mean that, but w- w- what I'm saying is that it—it's it, clearly. I mean, yeah, that's it's, we're laughing about it because the poor I know, bastard it's looks funny. Sad,
0: because, but
2: but because you look if at that something animal, bad like,
0: happens to somebody else, even if it's a monkey, it's funny. Well, that's but the, you're the three also stooges. Seeing, yeah, uh, you're also uh, seeing effect. how horribly painful things can be, and yeah. how universal it is, especially for something a like a, look at this. like a monkey. He looks terrible. Look at him. <laughs> He looks, like, know, he, looks know, like, like, he looks like looks like it looks like every funny? bad thought he, you've he, ever he had. He might actually
2: way. be a funny a uh, uh, a happy monkey, but he might have just been having a stomach bug or something. <laughs> and the other monkeys realized oh he's a little under the weather. But here And that, he
0: smells bad right but, now, but so see, let's stay away from him. But
2: see, there's testament to the good side of, you know, the human nature because this one day that Paul goes to the zoo and, and sees this, it's like, Oh, I feel bad <laughs> for that poor because you know, you see that and that's the only point in time you see that monkey and you think that poor bastard. And He just might be having a lot of gas or something, or you know, or the I'm to or... I'll
0: take that off of uh, Paul's Facebook and I'll put it on the Radio Mysterioso site when I post the show, just to show everybody what the sad monkey looks like. The
2: sad monkey. Monkeys are great, though, aren't they?
0: Well, I told, I said, Paul, hey, it's a nihilist chimp, and I was thinking, well, if he was a nihilist chimp, he wouldn't be sad. He just wouldn't care. Yeah, there you go. He'd but be apathetic. We, but we thought that's a great name for a band. So nihilist chimps, it was. Yeah, if he was really a nihilist, he wouldn't be sad, he just wouldn't care. Well maybe he doesn't. Right a misterioso, or as it's known from now on, the nihilist chimp hour. So two hours. We're at a beer. Well, that must mean we better go to House of Pies pretty soon. House of Pies, almost. Although I think we're really we're on a riffing roll here. Yeah, since we're on like after an yeah, hour. Yeah, there's no. There's, the first hour was. There is lame. no look. They've erased. There's well, no show after. You know mine. what's
2: not? What's nice is we could do another hour, therefore giving all the young ladies that are going to meet us at House of Pies another so, hour to get ready. Yeah. yeah, that's right, ladies. If you're now in it's my turn, if you're in uh, Lake Echo, wait, no, that's Dartmouth. If you're in Echo Park. Come on down to house, of pies. house of pies and meet with uh, Paul and Greg and myself uh, for <laughs> some post-show banter and a little pie. Wait a second, Walter and Paul are in charge of the
0: show right Uh-oh. now because Greg's gone <laughs> to what the washroom. What could washer. we do?
2: What could we do that would forever leave an imprint? Well, <laughs> what could we do that Greg will hate? Yes, that Greg, that specifically that that Greg will just it'll just grate his teeth. That maybe we can get a rise out of him because Greg is one of the most level calm. Demeanored people I have ever known in my life um, so uh, this will do it hey I got an idea let's twitter our uh, weenies and boxer briefs like uh, congressman weiner um, from Greg's twitter account
0: no I was thinking we could play <laughs> some Morrissey which will drive him nuts <laughs> he's not a Morrissey fan oh god no but it'll very much be a match. I know a girl in moment.
2: Ohio um, I won't say what sense I mean that in you can use your imagination she was a Morrissey fan really I'm Mac I Tony's. Liked her. She was cute. She was kind of a half crazy chick. Oh, and crap. you know what they say about crazy chicks? He's back. Um, but, uh oh.
0: Nothing. <laughs> just playing some nothing, Morrissey. Nothing at all.
2: <laughs> we were just in charge of the show. And, uh, Take me
1: out tonight. A
2: little Morrissey sing along, folks. Come on, boys.
1: <laughs>
0: this is Mac Tony's favorite Smith song, and mine too. I I know this song but just barely and I never liked the Smiths because I couldn't stand Morrissey
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's true it is it's like I can read his mind we said what could we do that Greg would hate he goes let's do something he'd hate I'll put on Morrissey (laughs)
0: I'll let it play because you're the guest no no take it off (laughs) he's serious he's
2: (laughs) Is that a new hat or an older hat from your collection? No,
0: we got it from last night at the Quakes. Let me, let me see.
2: Let me see. It, it has Quakes that worn, game. that purposely worn look. Is there yeah, a like nine that. on it?
0: I like that a lot. This is getting weirder. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I just, again, random page. I was looking at uh. you as I did it. Now, remember, folks can, I don't want to tell the whole story. They can read my whole 355, chapter 55. That was my Billet Cantor's 355. Yes. And the number nine, which you, what pages did I open to? Five four, which you, if you add them is together is nine? nine, and followed, of course, by five five fifty five.
2: And and you've got three fingers visible.
0: Therefore, the three five five. 5 it? it un, it's true. He pointed that out, and that's look how I'm holding the book. Two fingers have are we, behind the cover. Have we for crossed, no reason? Have Just we
2: crossed the threshold into uh, I think Inspector so. Fingerling uh, mm. territory? I think that's weird. Well,
0: I think so. You see, you see, you get to the point where most people that don't notice this stuff get get annoyed no, the, by the, it.
2: The key is what's on the page. Yes. You've got to take it to the next step and read All what's right. on the page, and I guarantee you, you'll find something of uh, importance to Of course, to
0: you. because uh, everything is connected, if you think about it. It about. goes
2: beyond that, though. Basically, there are messages for you, and that's not to uh, go assassinate some political leader, which mm. some guys have interpreted that.
0: Right. You can find information for anything that you want to think. What's the big deal with Catcher if you, in the Rye? If you open your mind enough, the, the deal it with it is that it figures in uh, the at least two and probably more um, political assassinations, uh, main, the two mainly being, well, not
2: political, being John Lennon and... Um, Ronald Reagan. Didn't What's-His-Nuts have a copy of it on him? Or, uh, no. J- Ch- Chapman no, no. had a copy of it on him with Lennon. Yes. But didn't the other dork who uh, was shooting for uh, Jody... Wasn't, didn't he have a uh, Catcher in the Rye connection? Uh, Am I wrong? Possibly. All right. Let's see if we can go interesting here with
0: what's on the page. Yes. Because we've kind of been talking about what? Mysteries. That's what we do. Yes. Paranormal. Things yes. that maybe we don't understand. Indeed. Here's the final paragraph on page 55 ah. that I just opened. That yeah. And I'll check the number on the chapter
2: in a minute. Because maybe that's (laughs) the punchline. It's chapter nine. He he gets it. He gets it. He sees.
0: As we reached the high point of our emotion, a tall, bitter-mouthed woman suddenly entered the room without knocking. I knew it was Judy's mother. Her fierce eyes studied me, and then Judy. Without a word, she took Judy's hand and led her away. The little girl clutched the magazines to her thin breast, and over her shoulder she blinked a tearful goodbye. She had come and gone as quickly as that, and I never saw her again. It was a mystery to the landlady, too for they had arrived and departed that very day, not even staying the night.
2: Okay, the first synchronicity is connected to me. Ooh. I, uh, in, the, in that paragraph, there's something mentioned three times, and I am a fan of Cary Grant. And in that paragraph, Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> the name Judy was mentioned three times. I
0: got nothing out of it, so I'm just unevolved. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me double check.
2: Was it three times? Because yes, that I counted the, it.
0: That might be the fifty-five.
2: Three five. Three oh Oh, and, and what movie did? Car- did it, okay, somebody, uh, listeners at home, please uh, let us know if uh, what movies Cary Grant did in nineteen fifty-five. Judy in on that page. Judy
0: is mentioned four times, but in that, in paragraph, that pa- the paragraph, the final paragraph, final paragraph, which is all I read. We we're talking about yes. Judy is mentioned yes. indeed three times on yes. page fifty-five.
2: In that paragraph, the, the the applicable, the operable paragraph, as an alchemist would Folks, say. Folks, we're not making this up. We, we can't make this no. up. You can't make this up. This, um, it is synchronicity. And, and here's the deal. We're hearing a lot of sense of humor. Here's my personal experience with synchronicity. Here's what keeps you from going insane is having the sense of humor about it. The people that go insane with this stuff, my friends do not have a sense of humor about it. Indeed. They, they, they get too freaked out. They take it too seriously. They, they become fearful. Fear, here we come back to there's two basic primal emotions, love and fear. Uh, courage, Attraction and repulsion. Yeah. Uh, courage is, falls under the love column because you know, you're like, you know what, I'm not going to be afraid of this. It all comes down to the a fear of death. Really, because the people that get freaked out say someone's going to kill me by figuring all this out. Well, so what? So what if they do? Do you want to live forever? Our souls, our consciousness, who we essentially are, is oh, forever. I our believe bodies all that, are not forever. Swami mumbo jumbo. Our our bodies are not forever. <laughs> Wait a second. Something, our consciousness is something's weir-
0: Something truly weird has happened. You realize how many people are sitting in the studio right now? Ooh. Three. <laughs> and Three. but there's been a shift. Normally, it would have been you two would be more out there, more open-minded, and I would have been the more closed-minded, but I think Greg and I have changed places here. At least he's playing the devil's advocate. Which no, he does. but I always play the devil's advocate. Totally if, you came, if you came in and you were totally skeptical, or fundamentally skeptical, I would be on the other side saying, right. but Paul, look at this stuff. Oh. When you start believing, I pull the other... I've always been like that. Alright, let, let's test that. Yeah, Paul Kimball is leaving. Oh, goodbye everybody, see you later. Okay. Oh, wait, there's somebody else at the door. He's coming in. Hold on, I don't know who it is, but he'll introduce himself. Hello, I'm Lance Moody. (laughs) Walter, you're full of shit. Isn't he from Ohio? Greg, go with it. What do you think of that? There's nothing to this paranormal bunk. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Fine, get out. You're unevolved. All right, I'm going to leave now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh, oh! wait, there's somebody else coming wait in. Wait a second. Let's, let's have a game-saying argument about something with two different people who are never going to agree, and it's going to go on forever, and neither of us are going to get anything out of it. Get out. New person. That's my, uh, that's my uh, response. This is Lance leaving, and I still haven't explained the Kelly Johnson case a year after I said I could <laughs> publicly, and I criticize everyone else for not following through, like Ted Phillips and everybody else, but I haven't followed through it. Moving on, moving on. Oh, wait, there's somebody else here. Greg, this person's just here to see you. Oh it's Here he comes. Uh, Hello, I'm Sage. Not not Sage, but the Sage. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, Greg, you're full of shit, too. Same answer with, as Lance Moody. What, do you want me to get out? Yes, because it, 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 mm. didn't you hear what I just said? No, you just got here. I just got here. Say it again. Remember that, Python? Remember that Monty Python episode where they, they go to the argument clinic? I don't watch I, I just posted them. that.
2: I just posted yes. that. On my oh, that could, that's go. just a coincidence. I posted it last night. Yeah,
0: <laughs> contradiction is just the automatic game saying of any statement the other person makes. What do you think that's is no going argument. on You're when I engage me. you or somebody like Lance Moody, who are possibly the same person? I see a synchronicity because my IQ is 55. <laughs> and I have the intellect, I have the emotional level of a three-year-old. Anyway, got to be going. Goodbye. Good seeing you. I am the sage. Oh, wait, there's somebody else here. Oh, it's just Paul. Hello, it's Paul. How many pies are we going to order? Three. Fifty-five. <laughs> Nine. Wait till we see what the bill is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> see, you now go. you're overthinking and that won't work. How come nobody it's ever true. joins us at House of Pies when we invite them? I don't know. Because our listeners are like all back up. east or something? Because Greg's married. No, House of Pies is gold, man. Oh, I, I, I spend three weeks waiting for House of isn't Pies. Isn't it great? Yeah, um, I've uh, asked Yasmin Lee to be in Secret of the Amazon Queen. She really loves her role that I crafted for her, and she's excited about doing it. What's the the name of that uh, film again, Walter? Secret of the Amazon Queen. Is that any relation to your new book, which the title escapes me at the moment? Is it a, a I Will See You in Time? I, no, I, but it actually is made from my book, Secret of the Amazon Queen, oh. written under my name, EA Guest. Where, where, where would we find those books? You might, fu- you might find Secret of the Amazon Queen as a part of a new double volume from EA Guest called The Adventures of Julius Corbin. Available, I believe, at lulu.com, print-on-demand, and maybe Amazon as a Kindle book, I think.
0: And so, was Secret of the Amazon Queen your only screenplay that you've written, or do you have another one that may be produced within the next year? The w- See, I do
2: happen to, the funny you mention it, I happen to have one called The Devil's Mill that I Jimmy wrote Fallon. with uh, my friend Mike Williamson and you, uh, that Red Star Films, coincidentally, or synchronistically, your company, uh, is going to produce. Uh, no. Weirdly enough, is that the only
0: screenplay I've ever written? Or have I written a screenplay or will be writing a screenplay with somebody else sitting in this room? Oh, wait, I will. This is Greg's turn to plug his own stuff. Greg, Greg, jump on. I jump. have nothing to plug. Oh, for Jesus. God damn it. All right, well, we'll plug it for go Greg. Ahead, go ahead and buy that book because I need to make back my, uh, my advance. Greg wrote the most important book dealing not with the UFO phenomenon, but with the culture surrounding it yes, and the people surrounding partially. it partially. in the last 10 to 15 years. Project Beta, and whatever Beta. the subtitle is that I can never remember. Which needs then. to be
2: a movie. It's, uh,
0: and it will be. And it may be. The, the Paul Benowitz Sager or something like that. What, what was it? You don't even know what the subtitle to your own book is, do no, you? No, no. There you go. There. Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz's national security and the creation of a modern UFO myth. I don't list the sources in my book, but by, by rote. I don't subtitle. Them. I uh, I didn't footnote them. They're all in the back. All my sources. Well, that,
2: that's all you need to do. They are well, there. I people, don't believe necessarily footnoting is. Nick necessary does the these footnoting,
0: days. and he he does a very good job at it. Uh, Nick Redfern. It, basically it's because I was on deadline and I was up against the wall. I was like, I just got to put all my sources but, in here. But, I can't footnote them.
2: But your book is more like narrative nonfiction, like Devil in the White City or something. And narrative nonfiction, um, footnotes within the text clutter it up. The way you yeah. did it is the proper way to do it in narrative nonfiction, which is perfectly acceptable.
0: No, the proper way to do it, to me, I agree, footnotes clutter it up at the bottom of the page. You should be doing endnotes at the end of a chapter. I like all right. that. I like that, which a lot. is what most history textbooks yes, will do. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. The last thing you want to do is see three page or three lines of text and twenty eight lines of footnotes, yeah, which is what happens. Well, often. I'll tell you right now, yeah. as
2: a publisher, I refuse to do that. Um, oh, I've got a couple of authors, every- one author that wanted to do that, and I'm like, no, we're going to do it at the end of the chapter yeah. or at the end of the book because every it's a pain in every
0: ass. single one of my sources is listed in the in the in the uh, index. So you uh, not in right. the index, but in the bibliography. That's you- better you than right. most, but. And I understand what you're saying, but still, end notes are, are helpful because people can then... No, it would have been a lot more helpful if I put down, where did I get that piece of information and endnote and, okay. and it somehow. When, when
2: people read books, do they really, as they read I didn't it... I immediately... not make any of it up, though. Yes. I promise okay. you when I did I not make it, any of it up. When I read a book, I'm not going through it to go, well, where did I get that fact? Well, where did I get that? I want to read the book and, and have the experience absorb of reading the, the whole uh, thing and, absorb it. Yeah. and then I know that his sources should be listed in the
0: back. I, I will check. Uh, depends on the book. I did that with Rich Dolan's yeah. uh, UFOs in the National Security State, Volume 1. Yeah. And I was very critical because if you look at a lot of his sources, what he's, he'll say things in the text. And if you didn't look at the sources, you go, oh, that's very interesting. It's fascinating. If you look at the sources, they're anonymous internet stuff. And, yeah. you s- and kudos to Rich for putting the sources in. Yes, Bad Rich... For using the sources. But at least then, somebody like me could go and make an informed judgment on whether what he the information he's conveying is reliable or not. So ultimately, kudos to Rich for
2: at least... And then people can decide for themselves. Two questions. I want to know what you guys think. Um, are, 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 are you familiar with yet? Have you read it yet? And what do you think of the Annie Jacobson Area 51 book that's released on audio but I it's am not coming out in book with the 27th? And I'm
0: also familiar with the article that was written about two or three years ago That was the impetus for the book.
2: Okay. In the Los Angeles
0: Times And I haven't read the book. Yeah. I haven't read the book, and I didn't actually even read all of the article. I read all the interviews leading up to it, Uh and I read people's opinions of the article and heard an interview with her and read an interview with her. And the impression I got, and this is just me because I'm predisposed to this, is that there is no way she could uncover what's going on at that place it's just impossible okay. um and this the second you know the second thing is that most people won't take that into account because most people want an answer yeah and if they have an answer they're happy with it and if the answer happens to be this was all cover for secret projects, some of which look like uFO type things i don't particularly agree with that uh i mean i don't particularly agree that. It's, it, I think what the, the point in the book was it's exotic technology, but it's conventional technology. Right. And that she, I don't And, agree and she with. says
2: only the last seven pages of that 400-page book um, even allude to Roswell and True. one particular theory. Let, but let's just talk
0: about that one particular theory because that,
2: she's not on
0: the Internet. She's not on ABC News Nightline to talk about the other 390 pages. She's on ABC News Nightline yes. and CNN and all that stuff and talking a, about those
2: 10 pages. And people want to know. Right. That's what they want to know about.
0: um, Here's what I think of it all. She is spreading disinformation knowingly, which I don't think is true. Or she is spreading information that she must know cannot be true, but she stuck it in there and she's sticking by it, even when it's been pointed out to her consistently, the flaws in her methodology, um, how if this was anybody else, if this was you, Walter, or you, Greg... People will be looking at you like you're crazy. This crazy source is you get the anonymous eighty nine year old guy or whatever the hell he is. There's no way anyone would oh, take I didn't you know, seriously. I didn't know in this detail. I thought you just oh, talked to these people. He's an they were and all this. He's no? an ex Area Fifty One guy who yeah. uh, has been uncovered. Who he probably is, and he's in his late eighties. And so basically, all, he's saying what people want to hear, even though he's not Bob Lazar.
2: Yeah, or, right. you know what, he is Bob Lazar, about 30 years older than Lazar is. I've heard two of her interviews, so that's, and, and I know that the audio book is released on 15 discs presently, the printed book will not be released till the 22nd. At some point, she is sitting there, and she is saying, you know what,
0: I need to make as much money as possible, either you believe this and you're nuts, in the same way that I would say what, that, what, well what maybe she, she believe, does though? and other people were. I don't what uh, is it? What is I don't the premise of the book? Well,
3: and here's what the I thought pr- that it was, that it was is mostly that
0: exotic American technology. Right, right. But right. there's this exotic there's technology which, was covered was up, using which is Mang- fascinating. Yeah. Sure, Stalin was using Meng- and Mengele got together um, with Khrushchev serving drinks. Yeah, I'm sure I have a hard time and said, you know stuff. what? Let's uh, take some 12 year old kids, put them in a crazy flying machine,
2: and drop them in the U S. and see what the frack. You know happens. what they were trying to pull? They were trying to pull. It was the original pilot episode of The Outer Limits. If everyone forgets book. that one, it's the Robert Culp pilot episode of the. I believe it was the pilot episode, where what they did was they physically changed him to look like an alien to, to stage an extraterrestrial crash event to scare the world into peace. It, it was an Outer Limits episode. Oh, that's
0: the idea. See, I'm starting to sound like an idiot because uh, I didn't even pay attention to this stupid book. And so I also, you think that what she's told is untrue, or you think that what she told is yes. unprovable, hence. No. should not be, okay, untrue to the point, look, why some because it's, it's absolutely impossible, is what it is. There are certain things in this world that are simply not possible, and Joseph Mengele getting together with Joseph Stalin to cook up the scheme with Area 51, that is as close to impossible as you can possibly get. That's so what I was saying. Some, it sounds less likely than actually body snatchers in the desert. Nick, I was just going to say Nick's idea of the body snatchers thing, which I also think is, let's just call it close to impossible, is more likely by a factor of 10 than what she's talking <laughs> about. And yet she presents this, whether she could sit there and say, you know without, what? Without a sense sure. of uh, 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 skepticism or even irony. She shouldn't have presented it at all. She should look as any good journalist or reporter. If you're writing a fiction book, Bob's your uncle, but if you're a journalist or reporter, which is what she was, what she claims to be, you have a, re- you have a duty to... S- sift through and filter the information. And when something looks clearly, patently, let's call it highly unlikely, and you have no verifiable source other than one guy's testimony to back it up, you don't run that. No newspaper would run that. No um, responsible publisher would run it. And that's what she's done. And yet, here is her book Mm -hmm. in the military history section of Barnes & Noble. She's on ABC News Nightline. Your book... Is in, if you find it at all, would be in the New Age section yeah. at Barnes yes. & and Noble, and you're being interviewed, if you're lucky,
2: in all, on, fairness, in all of America. How do the, That's unfair. How, how does the text read? Because the book hasn't been released. All we've heard are the interviewers saying, hey, your book says, but the text may, she might say in there, look, this guy, and she says that, she goes, look, I say, this guy told me this. And she's trying, I mean, I've heard her say, I present it as, you know, you decide for yourself if you want to accept that. But I'm just telling you, this is what this person told me.
0: Doesn't matter. I'm, wa- I'm, I'm doing a book on, um, oh, let me think here, uh, Barack Obama's presidency as far as it's gone so far. And uh, I interview some guy who maybe worked on the Obama campaign. And you know he tells me? He tells me that Obama is, had sex with uh, Christina Aguilera and he might be a space alien and I put that in a book, and even if I say, you know what, I don't really believe it, but it's kind of out there, and oh, P.S., he's a Muslim, then, you know what, you're, there is a line, and there's no way that she can come back from that line that she's crossed. So she either now has to do one of two things, own it and stick by it, which is what she seems to be doing, because if she doesn't, the book tanks. Yes. yes. Or come forward and say, you know what, you're right, reporter guy from ABC News Nightline, perhaps I shouldn't have done this, which is why, I, and I think she's in this thing where she looks, I am never, ever going to re- work for a respectable news agency ever again. But I might have a very good career doing books like this. Yes. So, you know what, in for a penny, in for a pound, let's go whole hog, and this is how I'm going to own three houses someday. Whatever the questioner, I saw that interview re- she did. Whatever the guy was asking or pointing out flaw after flaw after flaw, she would immediately start, it's a time-honored sort of technique if you're an interviewee. Oh, Ignore yes. the question. And, and just answer the ant- question that you wanted to answer. Right. Yeah. And she, she does that. and It's so what Palin does. A what, lot of them do it, though. What truly offends me about this is that you have intelligent people talking about interesting things, even within, say, the world of the paranormal. right, right. right. And, and, or even, leave the paranormal out of it, even within the world of uh, government secrets and stuff. You know, what really is going on in Area 51? What have they tested? How, how does the American government keep secrets from its people? Right. And, and others. Those are worthwhile topics, worthy of discussion, and there's a lot of Discussed interest. Discussed at length in the book Project Beta. Project Beta, yes. <laughs> Abs- and that's With what, help from Walter, actually. Buy it now. Buy that, it now. You know what? That's not to blow smoke up your hole, but that's honestly what offends <laughs> me. Project Beta is a good book that raised those things years ago, and this chick... And it could be a guy, so that's not a sexist thing, but is on all the media outlets talking Some about this chased. thing, about Area 51 with her crazy theory and everything. Well, one, and she's a journalist, and two, who's her publisher? I don't care. That's what's wrong. No, no, no. I, I know yeah. what you know, but uh, I know what you mean, but that is what's wrong with the conversation we are having with ourselves, not yeah. us three, but our society. Yeah. We don't. So, like, you could read. You know How many people have read Daniel Quinn's book, Ishmael? It's a wonderful book talking about sort of the philosophical implications of human stewardship, for lack of a better word, over the earth and our failure to exercise it properly. All this sort of stuff. Most people haven't read it. Most people don't read stuff like that. How many people have read Kierkegaard? I mean, I'm off on a rant rant and a tangent here. But there are really important things out there that we should be talking about. Instead, we've got Annie Jacobson talking about the 10 pages in her book and the Mengele-Stalin connection. That is the historical equivalent of Operation Repo and watching tel- a television series like Operation Repo, where oh. they're recreating people repossessing other people's cars. Is, it's, is, it is the dumbing down of Western, if it's possible. There is a fine, <laughs> there's a fine tradition in Western society that builds on all sorts of other traditions... Where of smart people talking about smart things, and that's not what we're doing today. And you know what? The founding fathers, Walter, you'll agree with me. Yes, these were smart guys. Oh, very. They were much all so. guys, unfortunately. But you know, their wives were
2: smart too. There it's was. Not, th- it's not unfortunate. That's just the circumstances. True, but
0: you know, the women behind the men, like John Adams, there were some wife. brilliant women. Absolutely, around those. These guys. were let's call them smart people. Yeah, these were multi-dimensional people who, frankly, had the time, because they didn't, they weren't on their cell phone. Every, you know, every 10 seconds. So uh, Thomas Jefferson could take a walk in the woods and sort of think things through, yeah. as opposed to texting some guy going, hey, right. dude, you going to the film tonight? That's yeah. what we need. Here's my final word. We need more Walden moments. <laughs> we need to step away from our technology, our work, our everything. Once a day, everybody listening to this, I take an hour and a half long walk every day. I do my best writing, my best thinking, yes. whatever. I'm an advocate of the walk thinking. Take at least think half an walking. hour, folks, away. Don't take your cell phone. Go off the grid. That's right. And just be one you can do it even in the city, yeah, but find Parkland. That is what our society needs to do to begin oh, I agree to with you.
2: begin the journey yeah. back towards where we should be. Now if I haven't read Kierkegaard, but I've read yeah, Irish well, Red consciously by Consciously turning off
0: the noise. Sorry. We're gonna travel back into hold on, because I am the uh, the current Doctor Who, so that's my TARDIS. We've traveled back in time, so here we go. Everybody needs to take a Walden moment, you know. Think about Kierkegaard. We have to get out. We have to walk. We have to have sex with the cats. That's what
2: we need to do to get back where we need to be.
0: Well, Walter's got something to say. And Greg's, Greg's going to be quiet. Uh, I
2: haven't read, <laughs> I haven't read Kierkegaard, but I have read Irish Red by Jim Kelgard. Does that count? <laughs> oh, thank jeez. I'm sorry. I traveled back in time yeah, just for that.
0: I'm I, I, sorry. I didn't step on it again. Yeah, that was. I co- even forgot what I said. That was the cockroach of jokes. You should have stepped on the end. Yeah, like over. Uh, there. No, that was, that was that was pretty good. Yeah, it was almost as well received as the Cavorkian uh, joke. Yeah. What's that? Cavorkian's last act yeah. was to help James Arness James kill Arness. himself. Oh, oh, yeah, that's
2: yeah. right. Which brings us full circle to the beginning, almost. of the show almost. But that's what guys like us do, and you
0: get trashed for it on the on the Paracast forms or whatever. I've seen Greg trashed on his own on UFO Mystics, and oh, people have trashed me, and yet. The motto I use in my blog, don't believe, don't disbelieve, think. That's what guys like us do. And this is, I don't mean to sound arrogant, because there are a lot of other people who do it, too. But if everybody would just do it, let's be wacky. Let's talk about different ideas. Let's not be afraid to sound silly. Yeah. Yes, Definitely. Well I... you I'm know all, personally the, the the sad.
2: hardcore skeptic community, I think the guy 's really driving that there're um, some of them I think are looking for uh, public notoriety as a skeptic i mean who who was the big famous asshole guy that was really angel so, minken wasn 't he a lot like these skeptic guys, where he was just cerbic about everything, they're, and everything was. They're bullshit. not skeptics, though. I've had no, this argument no. recently. Oh on no, Rich no, but Reynolds they think blog. they are.
0: Yeah, they've co-opted the term skeptic. Well, in if they right. could way. all be, if they could all be as erudite as Mencken,
2: I could the, take them. Yes, because Mencken
0: he's, he's a stick in the mud, but he's a funny stick
2: in yeah, the mud. Yeah, Mencken was a genius. They I are mean, not. he's
0: so damn funny that I've even if I completely disagree with him, I'm still reading it and laughing. Well, that is a talent. That is a very lost talent.
2: Well, I think that a lot of these. <laughs> These guys, they're, they're looking for notoriety. They, they accuse like, people like me and others of, oh, you're just, you know, you're just doing this to get attention or whatever. Well, you know what? You want to get attention, too, because you want to be known as the guy who shoots down X or blank, you know, and, and they're no different. Doing it, to, yeah, it's a, it's a false,
0: it's the disbelievers and the believers on either side of a coin and the rest, yeah. I, you know, it's sort of, what is it, uh, what did Nixon call it? The silent majority. I hate to quote Nixon, but... Oh, did he originate that term? I think yes, he Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But he it's did. sort of the middle. What do you... The excluded middle. You'd yes. Rather... See? Rather again, than quote Greg's Nixon. a genius. And he's also Nixonian. I don't know if I go that far. Richard Nixon. Villain or hero, Greg? Oh, you already said this this I morning. I said yes. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, freaky. I like that. So, you know, you just... You're, like, encouraging people to think you're raising new ideas. Mac did it all the time. He'd throw stuff out there and people like the crypto terrestrials thing and people would shoot him down and say, Oh, you clearly believe this. You're nuts, crypto terrestrials. And Mac would if he was here and I know when he was alive, he would just say, You know what? I'm just throwing it out there, man. Yeah, but
2: excuse me, it comes back to it comes back to what I said earlier about people who go to church calling me crazy. Who in the hell are these people who believe in grays and stuff like that to call a crypto terrestrial person nuts? It's boring, it's going nowhere.
0: Yes, it's boring and that's why when people Sorry say, Are you are you advocating this? I mean what is your belief? And I said, I don't have a belief. My belief is cheerleading for evolution, not telling you what to think or even expounding exactly what I think because I don't have a fixed opinion on a lot of this shit. And it's funny. We were on that show with uh, the Mac Memorial Show and, and uh, Patrick Weege, my editor um, and, and Mac's editor, he actually asked me on the show, he said, Greg, do you think that Mac actually believed this stuff? And and Patrick is was his editor, yeah. So it kind of it it kind of confused me as to and and Patrick, you know, just as open minded and just as non dogmatic as, as any of us, which is why I like him. But he he said, "Do you think Ma, you know? Do you think Max actually believed this, the crypto terrestrial hypothesis?" And I said, "Just what you said and what you, what Walter was saying. No." He was p- throwing it out there. He was very eruditely and very intelligently throwing out an idea and saying, add this into your philosophy or cut it down or whatever you need to do. But let's consider it. Let's, yeah, let's consider it. Let's get this into the mix in a louder way than it has been in the past. And it's funny. That's what I wanted to say when you said earlier about... Um, uh, this bigger world that we're part of, or one of the most important things that's happened on radio in probably the last five years when Jacques Fillet was on George Nouri. And right before they went to commercial, he said, one of the things we're finding out is that it appears that we are, our lives or our world is a subset of something else. Bam, that got dropped. They didn't bring it back. Nobody said anything after that. Wait a second. That's probably the most important thing he said in the whole interview. Right. As an implication for what they were talking about having to do with UFOs, etc. Our world is a subset of something else. To be fair... Our, 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 well, you uh, know, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, no... To be fair, I like Coast to Coast and some. At least they give valet a platform to say it, even if it's only briefly. Yes, they did. I'm yeah. not really complaining about. I know. Coast to Coast particularly. I'm complaining yeah. about somebody will say something important like that, which would be a great springboard for discussion. And boom, it just goes. Yeah, but away. Here, here's the and problem. Most people listening probably thought, boom, it went away. Who cares? That's yeah. just something. Well, he said. Uh,
2: here's the thing. You got five guys on a street corner selling bananas. They don't want the guy with the apple cart to set up shop next door to them. <laughs> That's what they're selling bananas. You're talking apples. Oh, no, no, no. You get out of here, apple salesman, because yeah, we, we got I, a good market okay, of I don't even think going. that
0: was part of it. It was just a lack of curiosity. Yeah, Holy well, yeah. it's not It's not Norrie's or if it was Punnett or whoever the host was. It's not really... Whoever their... it was. I don't even know if it was George Norrie. You, you but... wish Art Bell might have followed up on it, but he might not have either. He might not have. But he would if have been more If he thought likely. it made good radio, he would have followed yes. up on it. And it, he but was interested in the show. He wasn't really interested. It, sort of in the ideas, but show was like, the show was like 99% of it. Yeah, or but 90% odds are of he it. would have followed up on it more than yeah, the current guys. Maybe. It comes back to the question of do you believe you should talk to people or should you talk with them? I want to talk with them, not to them. Do you believe that you should talk down to them or do you believe that you should assume that they're at the same level that you're at? I, I just assume that people can follow along just if they can. Just assume can't. it. If they can't, that's 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 the other thing about doing the show or whatever you guys do. People say, "Do you you know what if you know do do you why don't you ask this question or don't you think you should background people or don't you think you should bring it down to a level?" No, because I'm not doing the show for you people. I'm doing it for me. Mm -hmm. I'm doing it for my friends. And if enough people can understand and enough people are interested, become our friends. You know, and then the then that core group of people who have an inquiring sense about these things can start spreading these memes out and maybe they will affect other people and that will, you know, it'll become something that is uh, worthwhile for the rest of the world to take a notice in and maybe we'll drag everybody kicking and screaming, or maybe if they don't even notice into another way of thinking about things, which is probably going to be beyond what I can even imagine, which I think would be great. Sure, and there is a difference. You know, I come from a, a legal background, uh, his history background. You can have, take your friend Joseph Farrell. Yes. Um, I would, and any history professor I ever had, would have uh, no truck nor trade with his theory about Nazis and flying saucers. We could have an argument, and I, I guarantee you on the facts, we would disagree at the end of the day. Sure, Doesn't mean it's personal. You can ha- So you don't have to follow blindly along and agree with everything everyone's saying. Right. But you can treat people and their ideas with respect, even if you disagree with them. And I've been guilty of not doing this, perhaps, in the past. I'm trying to be a better person. But to me, it's just the tone of the discussion. So it is the difference between mixed martial arts fighters, uh, and I hesitate to use the term arts, anything barbaric, but these crazy MMA guys who go in and beat each other's head in. That's what we're talking about. And what it should be, whether you like this particular art form or not, is a ballet. You should be watching a ballet where you have dancers, and you know they're moving from dancer to dancer. And there's this flow. There's this. The, you can go to see Swan Lake, or you can go see another ballet. Doesn't matter. But there's this idea of flow, things moving. The conversation should be like a ballet, not yes, which yes. is what we have now. Two no, guys not beating being beating each beat each over edit. the head. It's Possibly, I, I wrote that big thing about Penn and Intelli- where I said, "Are is what they're doing? Skepticism? Is it showmanship?" Or is it more like somebody, well, maybe it is more like showmanship, is it more like leaving a, f- a bag of flaming dog turds on somebody's doorstep and ringing the doorbell and running away? <laughs> I think that's a lot of what's going on there. It's, well, it's the culture we live in. It's a lack of civility. Yes. And, you know, Mac and I, I think everybody sort I of thinks despise that, it. that Mac and I were like uh, bosom buddies and never disagreed about anything. And, you know, wow, these two guys, we, you know, we did. We loved each other as friends would. We disagreed about a lot of stuff and sometimes quite in a Frankly, very polite I way i didn't vehemently, disagree with him about anything it was kind of scary i music film anything well maybe music and uh, well obviously with the smiths but even when we were writing doing time together and stuff you know you'd have disagreements never personal at the end of the disagreement which was always civil yes go out and have well mac didn't really drink a lot um, but go out and have a beer or a coffee or whatever that you know is the kind of thing that we can do the problem well, is, agree you have to people, disagree is, is a right. high art form, I believe. And again, I've been guilty of some of this, directing it at people. For instance, I used to write about Michael Sala, who's the politics guy, and I'd say, look, you're crazy, you're lying, whatever. At the end of the day, I just kind of realized, I don't care. Like, he can do what he does. I don't want to be part of that conversation. It isn't my job in life to go out and try and convince people that Michael Sal is wrong. If, if they can figure that out, great. If they and can't, then they're not allowed right. to have that conversation. Right. You want to go talk to Michael that Bob's your uncle. That's not a conversation I want to be part of. Paul, so if, you don't care? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God, you don't care? What's well, wrong with you? I care about other things more. Yes, within exactly. the paranormal. Thank you. So I would say if Walter's on the uh, Paracast forums or any forums and he's talking about his experience, why the hell... Would some uh, pseudo-skeptic, and they are pseudo-skeptics, come in? Like, why are you even there, guys? Who are you trying to convince? You're not not going to change anybody's mind. You know who they're trying to convince? They're trying to convince convince themselves themselves that there's nothing to this. Because somewhere in the back of their mind... It scares them. It's as it did me in my thesis advisor's office. That moment where you maybe have a feeling or some realization at some level in all of our lives, it scares the living
2: hell out of all of us. It's like it's like trying to have the whole God debate and all this stuff with a religious fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. Because and what gets me is they always fall back on their own scripture, which you're questioning to begin with. Sure. And within the discussion you're saying, look, you know, we, we scripture may be flawed because it was a, no, but the scripture says that you'll say that it's flawed And I'm like, oh God. And so um, it, it's the same thing. And the disbelievers are fear-driven.
3: It's
0: fear-driven. The disbelievers are scared to death that there might be another. Yeah. And the true believers are scared to death that there might not be another. Yes. And those yeah. of us in the middle who are not beset with fear or completely you know, controlled who could by fear deal with it either way. We kind of look at it and say, you know what? Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. I'm curious, one way or another. The excluded middle magazine was founded exactly. in late 1991. I'm just going to say that right now. You should bring it back, <laughs> I, Walter. I think that was a little bit of self promotion there, or at least self congratulation by I Greg. I like it. I like it. That's good. That's good shit, yeah. Greg. Well, I was, I was just saying that because it was kind of like people should stop being so dogmatic. It's like, yeah. Another thing: How they sh- long do you have to say something like that before right. anybody listens? That's the rest of your life. life?: That's what we so. F- yeah. Just keep saying it and don't give a shit whether people agree with you or not, because the people that agree with you and that are going to take your ideas or your cheerleading and move it further or at least be supportive of each other are yeah. going to be there. And the people that are not, who gives a shit. And you know what you did? <laughs> you identified the excluded middle, the problem. What people like us are doing, and again, I don't want to sound too self-congratulatory, but what we've done—you identified the problem, others did as well. What well, we're doing I is creating and Robert Larson and Peter Stencil. What we're doing is creating the solution, and you know what the solution is? It's the included middle, where ah, I like where that. you start with three guys. It's like a revolutionary cell. Well, this is you start you're, with three, you're you pli- keep, you're applying the idea differently. But yeah. well, yes, but you you bring people in. It's like there is a middle. There's a rational. It is rational, yes. free thinking, open minded. Yes. yes, skeptical middle. Yes, and come on in, folks. The door is open. And both, if you're both sides hate, uh, have written horrible things to me. Believe right. people that believe that everything's going on, and people that are exceedingly skeptical about it. And they both think I and people that I know and people that agree with me are nuts. And we and either they think that we believe the opposite of what they do, or. They say you're a fence-sitter and you're full of shit because you have to have an opinion.
2: Right. Or you're a mole
0: not yeah. for yeah. the opposition. Yeah. I would say to your friend Joseph Farrell, you are welcome to the included middle if, when you come in, you're willing to admit you might actually be wrong. Well, he's a reasonable guy,
3: actually. Fair enough. Yeah. Come
0: on in, and then we can have a reasonable discussion. If you are a believer who comes in, my way is the only way. I'm absolutely right. I'm, I'm totally right. You're all wrong. You're not welcome. And I would say that to the disbelievers too. I'd say yeah, to the well, Lance it's, Moody's. It's, it's fundamentalist thinking. You are exactly From any stripe. You are welcome into our included middle if you're willing to admit you might be wrong. That's the See, first step what, on the what, path what to wisdom. Who,
2: what people are practitioners of fundamental think, fundamentalist thinking. Um, what they refuse to recognize is they build in uh, the the, uh, the control mechanism is built in to their philosophy. And they cling to that, and, that's, and that was designed by the people who created this control thing, this control mechanism. In some cases, it's, it's religious scripture. Um, as we know, and it's built in. If it's, if yeah, this, if, this if you question this, you'll yeah. go to hell. Or if you question that, you'll go to hell. And I, I mean, you build that in, and it's all it's all fear. Well, you know, it, yeah,
0: it's turned into if you question it, you're you're crazy, or that yeah, way lies madness, or the madness devil. Or, the or, devil
2: yeah. is you know dragging you. Well, so, I was just talking the about devil a humanist
0: be. kind of point of view yeah. where you. You well, say Well, okay, if you I,
2: I'm a devil to some people because I'm a former OSI agent. There's some people that just oh, I will not have the UFO discussion with me because the things I'm going to tell them. Oh no, no, no! He's lying, and he's been he's been assigned to lie to you. Well, I got to tell you, if I'm a mole for the U.S. government, I want to start getting the paycheck. Yeah, you, you're doing well, a fine may, job. The other too.
0: thing is maybe he ha- maybe uh, maybe he is, but if he is, so what? you have that little faith in your own, val- in your own right. discernment, your own knowledge, and your own ability to make up your own mind, that you're going to be scared of somebody who's trying to affect your mind, then you're weak and you should, not- you should leave. Why, Greg? Why? We- <laughs> it's true. We- don't know mi- why weak-minded <laughs> people are not allowed in the included middle. <laughs> you know, it's like, we'll let anyone in as long as you are not a believer, a disbeliever, and an idiot. You know where we're going. Greg, where are we going? Because we We're going wind back it up. to John Fonte again. Yeah, whose, uh, we went and visited uh, probably where he wrote that book. Mm. It's about a mile from here. Sweet. We tried to find his what his apartment that he used to live the in. The apartment that he lived in when he first uh, got married and was working. I, well, I don't think he wrote Ask the Dust there. He had already gone on to a couple other. That one was written partially in the apartment that he talks about in that book, which is on Bunker Hill um, in downtown L.A. Which is no longer there. Bunker Hill is there, but I don't think no, that the apartment, apartment is there. Isn't there. I don't believe it's by. there at all. And w- then we found Bukowski Court today, which was cool. Yes. So um, th- this will be my final word, and then you guys can sum up however you want. But I'm going to leave, folks. With We've been summing up for the
3: past half yeah, an know, hour, true, I think.
0: Uh, with a, a, an excerpt from the preface of Ask the Dust by John Fonte, the preface written by a writer who was incredibly influenced by him, Charles Bukowski, one of my fi- favorite writers. So here's the preface and you can, um, you can decide whether this relates to what we've been talking about or not as you see fit I was a young man starving and drinking and trying to be a writer I did most of my reading at the downtown LA Public Library and nothing that I read related to me or to the streets or to the people about me it seemed as if everybody was playing word tricks that those who said almost nothing at all were considered excellent writers their writing was a mixture of subtlety craft and form and it was read, and it was taught, and it was ingested, and it was passed on. It was a comfortable contrivance, a very slick and careful word culture. One had to go back to the pre-revolution writers of Russia to find any gamble, any passion. There were exceptions, but those exceptions were so few that reading them was quickly done, and you were left staring at rows and rows of exceedingly dull books. With centuries to look back on, with all their advantages, the moderns just weren't very good. And I would add that perhaps to travel forward as a species and as individuals, we need to travel backwards first to a time when men and women thought for themselves, took the time out to think for themselves, and realized that there might be more to
2: all of this than just themselves. Yes, I agree. Yes. Ditto.
0: I don't know. Should I? I play another. <laughs> play that Beatles song. Now. Oh no! I'm not going to play a Beatles song. I was going to play um, something that will piss people off. Um, Sweet. Kimball has left the building. Yes. The last night I was in Istanbul, this is what I heard. You know what that is? Yes. It's poetry. Is what it is. Yeah. It's to me. It's. Yeah. just a second you have to set aside all the ideas you have about the muslim religion everything that you're as americans taught to think about it and just listen to this and not uh place any kind of uh value judgment on it to me it sounds like i'm standing on another planet somewhere and this isn't even human (laughs) that's an entire city with loudspeakers from about 50 or 60 different mosques yep. all doing this at the same time and, and you, I'm standing on top of a hill and you can get the same feeling if you're traveling through the south and you happenstance upon all. an evangelical baptist church where they they're not they're singing they're just the joy yeah. of singing that there's no difference between
2: that and this it's all the same folks it's all the same yeah and i've heard similar wailings coming from the aero center in frankfurt the what center? The the red light district. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's right.
0: Do you want to end with anything besides this? Okay. Yes, you can make a request. Listen, that, 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 I stood there listening the first time I was there, and it's, I'm getting the same feeling now. i was just kind of slack jawed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I have that we're looking at a closing song folks <laughs> Walter and I are doing business By the way, folks, if you've never seen it, as I'm listening to this, you should uh, seek out the film Siriana. It's uh, It's a wonderful film, Meditation on Modern American Politics and Culture. I highly recommend it.
2: And uh, also, uh, this is the first public announcement of this, but you should also uh, pretty soon look for The Spy Who Loved Travel, my upcoming book, which is nonfiction, which uh, goes into my travels as a counterterrorism professional and gets into my career in the national security uh, profession, Uh, writing it right now. And um, it's the most thorough in-depth telling of the story that I've ever given so look for that this fall which Greg and I might try and make into a television
3: series (laughs)
0: okay faded that out uh, very uh, artistically see I think I did find uh, synchronicity on here there you go I haven't heard this since it came out thanks for listening folks and Greg thanks for having me in LA for three weeks awesome thank you Thank you. Thank you for uh, staying. And And, and, Walter and, and, and Greg, in from, you might have known from, from an hour away. Andy, Andy Summers is a god as a guitarist. And Stuart Copeland. Yes. Drums? I have some Stuart Copeland um, uh, solo albums, they are incredible. So, it's a show. Thank you for listening. It went way over. This has been a three-hour writing um, of Mysterioso. We'll be back next week with I don't know what. Uh, in the next few weeks, we're going to have Ferry Oduzu back on, and as well as uh, Rich Dolan, who I will um, talk to about uh, his last couple of books here. So, thanks uh, again, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks to uh, Paul and Walter for coming in, and a great show. See you soon.